Blog Talk Radio. Working within 
the Gilead situation and the, like my last, the last two years of the show, I would bring her out of Gilead and still working against Gilead, like kind of in and out kind of thing. You know, I don't know. I don't know because I'm getting tired of the good times. <laughs> but it is really a good show. So I, I did finish the fourth, uh, the fourth, I guess the first five, and then I guess I don't know when they're dropping the other ones. But, yeah, I did finish that. And, um, uh, okay, so let's just go into SWV and Escape. SWV, I was sure, like, hands down. I was like, you know what, shit, they ain't, they ain't got no comps. <laughs> right? I love Escape, too, but listen, you know, I'm going to just be honest. I told y'all already how I feel about SWV, okay? So, Escape came out. They came with it. You know, if you didn't get to watch it, they, they did come with it. They, they did. Uh, they doing a lot of other people's songs. They did. It's my living in vain. A lot of Clark sisters now. They ain't no Clark sisters. But they did good, right? And I think what I think SWV was a little shocked because I think SWV thought it was going to be like a Brandy Monica situation, you know, like they sit across each from each other and kind of play songs back and forth. I didn't think SWV came to perform. You know, them bitches like, I ain't coming to perform. Coco was looking like, y'all performing? <laughs> but people said that Coco was kind of upset. Everybody was talking about how Coco was looking. But Coco had had a horrible experience, I think, at the hotel. She had seen someone shot or something like that. So that's why they said uh, that Coco was kind of off that, you know, the first half. But I think also she was off because they wasn't expecting it to be that out, like it, like Escape to come with the fire. But they should have it, it expected Escape to come with the fire because Escape doesn't have the catalog that SWV has. So they had to, you know, then ha- they don't have the music. So they, you know, the hits. So I, I was, I-, I expected them to come with a little bit of more performance skills, okay? Uh, and they even came armed, <laughs> which I laughed my ass off. Kenny came perform- armed with some, uh, some, some of her, her and Tiny with their songs they ri- they wrote for the people. <laughs> I was like, hell no. Nah. I was like, that's a, that, that deserved a Babyface moment, right? When Babyface was like, you remember Babyface was, I wish I need Babyface, I need Babyface and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis to have one. I, I'm serious. I feel like I didn't get the, the proper one for Babyface. Even though I love uh, Teddy Riley, I just feel like we need Babyface and Jimmy Jam to do one, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. But anyway, so <laughs> it was funny because remember when Babyface said to when uh, T- Teddy Riley played that remix, <laughs> Janet Jackson remix, he's like, did you write that? <laughs> and he was like, nah, it's a remix. He said, oh, okay, I don't do remixes. <laughs> but I feel like, the like you know, S- the SW, that's how I felt like Babyface with SW, I mean, with Escape, so I'm pulling out uh, no sc- scrubs and start pulling out bills, bills. <laughs> I was like, oh, hell no, Candy. <laughs> you didn't, is that an escape song? <laughs> so I was kind of ticked, but I didn't like that part, right? But, listen, my second half, SWV was like, wait a minute, bitches. We didn't know you was getting, y'all was getting ready to be up here actually performing. They went back there and put on them, them Converse tennis shoes and tennis shoes. Them, them helpers came back out there. <laughs> And start putting escape under the table, <laughs> and especially when they did that last one, when they did week, 
Oh my God! You know, first of all, they cat just they just dope anyway. SWV is if you ever see SWV in concert, I've seen them a few times, and they are so good. And I loved at the end when I told I don't know if I told y'all my experience that that last couple of weeks ago when I first went to see SWV because I really didn't know Coco was that strong. Like I really didn't. I was like, you know, I like the I like the albums and stuff. But I was like, I thought Coco could sing, but I really didn't realize how dope Coco was until I saw her live. And I went to the concert, and I was like, Coco is fine. See, they they got the weapon. First of all, all of the girls are dope. They all can sing, but but Coco is a weapon, right? (laughs) Like. Like Latasha, or what is the girl's name? The two sisters are for Escape, or especially Latasha, I don't know if I say her name right, is a weapon for Escape. I mean, that girl's bad, right? She's real dope. But the two sisters, period, are. But when when we talk about a weapon like Coco is just like, it's nuclear. (laughs) You can't fuck with Coco. Coco like, oh, okay, y'all want to sing. Oh, y'all want to perform. And when they did that last song, when they did Week, and they did that part, because I love when they do that in concert. And I've seen them do that in concert several times, and it just sounds so church. Like, they take you to church. When they break down that Sisters With Voices Got You Weak In The Knees, I was like, they got it. They, they, I mean, they told, I mean, I mean, listen, Coco is no fucking joke. Y'all not going to fuck with Coco, okay? Can I just say, every? I, can everybody give put some respect? On Coco's name, okay, one of the best female lead vocalists of a group of all time. I mean, girl is dope, okay? She's so fire, right? And just shout out to SWV as a whole because SWV, Lee, SWV as a whole is really, I mean, I, the, the girl, they are really, they, they style everything. Um, I mean, it's really a, I love the skate. I really did like a skate. But Coco and uh, to what's it? Who is it? Um, George, the girl that's married to George, to us, and and Lily. I mean those those girls. I mean Tamir is it Tamira? I forget. But they. I mean they. I mean they. You just can't. They they are one of the top girl groups of all time, in my opinion. Okay, and their personalities are so dope. They so laid back. I like their energy. I like Escape's energy too, but I just knew they was at a mismatch. I knew even with Escape up there performing they ass out. <laughs> and they was having fun and I like that. I love the camaraderie between all of them and everything, but shit. When Coco's sitting over there on the other end, y'all was like I was like, Oh, y'all giving them a head start, huh? Coco them over there like, Oh, we can give y'all a head start 'cause we <laughs> We know what we got up in here. <laughs> That SWV is not the fuck with, okay? <laughs> they came through, okay? I love, I just love the whole vibe of SWV. Escape, love y'all too, okay? But my gosh, I mean, that, I mean, that second half just, I mean, and you know, they got so many cuts. That first album was so fire, it produced like maybe five or six hit singles from them right away. So it, it established them pretty much, you know, at that point, and it was so funny because they was throwing out names. Yeah, remember when we did that with Puffy? It was, <laughs> I was like, I forgot about that. I forgot about that, that all the other stars that they had. I mean, and not including the two new albums. I, I really keep telling people about the two new, the two, not new, they're not new, but the two latest albums from them. 
from the last five to six years. Like with Man Crush on the album with Man Crush on it is really good. And the, the album before it is super good. The Cosign album, oh, no, nah, see, let me just say, okay, that Cosign album, woo, no, no, yes, 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 both albums are good in today's form. And it's sad, here's the sad part. The sad part is that album didn't get a lot of promotion on radio and stuff, but both of those albums didn't because, you know, y'all be playing some wild, some terrible shit out here, but y'all don't play real music. Those girls put they put their foot in those two albums, okay? One, two of the they can, two of the be, two of their best albums, and that's and that's the first one they released with the Cosign song on it. It was really good. It was super good. It should have been one of the top albums of the year. And this is why I'm talking about people like the Academy Award. I mean, not the Academy, the Grammy Awards should be recognizing shit like that when it's out. Like they should go search for stuff. That's actually very good and surprise people with like let's pull up SWV and give them eight nominations and throw them in the R and B category and fuck people up like Beyonce and stuff like that. They won't do that because they're very much um, bought and paid for. I think you know, and they have to they have to really work their way out of that. Because I used to like when the I mean when the Academy with Grammys would do the Musical Academy would do stuff like that. They would pull out somebody like that wouldn't normally have a chance, even if the album wasn't hot, wasn't hot on the, uh, wasn't hot on the on radio, they still find the best. Like, I always, I always look about stuff like Esperanza Spalding, how they did her that year, Nora Jones, when she came and fucked everybody up. I love that because those are, like, great albums that normally would not get the push or the publicity, and for them to find that, it's saying, hey, we recognize real music. We don't just put we don't just nominate popular artists around here. No. We're the we're the Grammys. We don't fucking do that. Okay? We don't fucking just because you've been on Billboard fifty times, that gets you a foot in the door with us. But we are about our we are about music, okay? And we are about awarding the great musicians every year. See that's what kind of energy I feel like the Grammy should have, but they don't got that kind of energy. And it's sad because that's why I don't like award shows because all the, uh, you know, it's, it's so bought and paid for, you know, and instead of looking for those diamonds in the rough. And SWV in that year they released that one should have been one of those diamonds in the rough for me, you know. So <laughs> it is what it is, okay. So it was a great versus. I really enjoyed it. Really fun. Okay. Next. Well, Maxwell. <laughs> Yesterday I saw, what did Maxwell do? Maxwell interviewed, was it Ray McGuire? Is that the guy who's running for New York City mayor? And let me tell you, I didn't watch it during the time. I, I came on, but I kept it kept buffering. And so I had to, like, I, I was doing, I was in the middle of my exercise. I was trying to watch it while I was exercising on the treadmill. And I couldn't because it kept buffering, and I kept my my signal was going out. So I just said I'll watch it afterwards, right? And so I went back and tuned in and watched his IGTV interview of Ray McGuire. It's very interesting. After you know, I pay attention to somebody that's coming, and Maxwell is coming, becoming quite the John Legend. <laughs> Y'all laughing like, "What Carlotta? What you mean, quite the John Legend?" 
you know how John Legend uses that political uh, shit? Like, you know how he politically, he, he acts politically astute? Uh, Maxwell, you don't got to do that, but I see why John got to do it. But, 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 but quite becoming quite involved democratically, politically, right? You know what I'm saying? It is the thing to do if you're if you're uh, a, 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 probably a, a rock, I mean, a, some in, in in music. It really helps you to be a part of that Democratic Party a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if it helps the people get what they need, but <laughs> it helps. Uh, it, it helps them move in the, in, the, in the right circles, okay? So I was very interested in this guy, Ray, because the reason why I was interested, anybody that you start seeing like that, especially in New York City, New York City, I don't consider New York City uh, just an American city. I consider New York City an international city. And the reason why I consider it an international city is because, New York has the United Nations there. It has some of the biggest uh, and largest, uh, you know, um, it's Wall Street there. Uh, also, it used to be very, uh, I mean, you know, fashion districts and stuff like that. So New York is, as much as it is a, an, an entertainment place, it is also a very international business uh, making city. So when you you always pay attention to the politics of New York, and one of the reasons, especially New York City, and I really pay attention when you see a guy who comes out of nowhere. Well, he doesn't come out of nowhere. He's a Wall Street executive. I have my eyebrow up. <clears throat> right? He has. A, he's a Wall Street executive. He is. Um, uh, and you know, I look people up, shit. I, had, I was in their business yesterday. <laughs> but he's a Wall Street executive. He's coming out of, uh, you know, and he's I think he's coming out of Citigroup or something like that. I can't remember, okay, which is probably going to put some money behind him. Uh, and he also had an interview on The Breakfast Club not too long ago, and I saw some of that. I didn't get to see all of it. I watched some of it. And it was very interesting because he was saying how he wasn't in anybody's pocket. And I was like, bullshit, you a Wall Street executive. Never believe a politician when he tells you he does, he's not going to, he's just going to be beholden to the people of New York City. I was like, oh, the fuck you are. You are a Wall Street, a guy coming out of Wall Street, executive, yeah, black man. <laughs> and, you know, and to get in that high political circle of New York City, You've got to have made some friends, right? You've got to, so, you know, you got to fuck with some people, okay? So, uh, and Ray McGuire is very much a fucked with people, okay? So let's talk about, I, I found his interview with Maxwell very interesting. Um, he, I was more interested with the, I, the Breakfast Club. I think Maxwell, you know, is more kind of introducing them to the people or whatever. But the reason why I tell people to pay attention to New York City is because when you see people like him come to the stage, I always look at him because he could be possibly like Rudy Giuliani, Bloomberg, okay, possibly try for a presidency one day, right, to go for a presidency because at that, you know, you, you, Donald Trump never ran for none of those offices, but he was a New York businessman, and he bounced right the fuck to the White House. So you always got to pay attention. Now, black man, it's a little harder. He got to probably hold a little bit of a position. But um, I'm very, I, I got very interested in him because a lot of black celebrity was, was pushing this guy. Another eyebrow-raising moment. 
like, okay, let's look at them, okay? You know, very interesting, very interesting background, very uh, very much the businessman. Um, you know who I found the most interesting more than him? You know, the secret weapon I always say is a man's wife. That was Barack Obama's secret weapon. You know, think about Barack Obama, okay? When Barack Obama first came on the scene, and listen, I was a huge supporter of Barack Obama before anybody even paid the fuck attention, okay? (laughs) And I remember Barack Obama not, like, being very engaging one-on-one. But Barack Obama, when he gives speeches and stuff like that, he's like, oh, you know, he's kind of, he's charismatic, but mm, I know they tried, they hyped him as charismatic, but he really wasn't the one. The secret weapon of Barack Obama's campaign was Michelle Obama. And Michelle Obama came in. She especially, because Michelle was what I call bicultural lingo. Making up my own word, by hood lingual. Like she could, she could merge with the the hobnobs of the hobnobs and be snitty, and she could come down and talk to you know the regular hood. Girl, hey girl, yeah, I get it. Yes, I know. Oh yes, that was a secret weapon to get, especially to get black people out to vote and get the black people to believe in you. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to see about Ray was who they were really married to, <laughs> right? Okay, so, I mean, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I, I, I mean, I feel like the secret the secret weapon to him is going to be that wife. And it kind of explained to me why all the celebrities, I was like, oh, is that the celebrity connection? Because she seems like quite the socialite. Crystal McQuarrie, is that her name? She has, the, she has that, that Michelle Obama vibe, Michelle Obama S. Okay, she is more, I'd even say more so, because I, and I also, I went to go listen to a video, because I was like, let me listen to a couple of videos of her talk. Oh, my God, I'd say she's even more charming than Michelle Obama, because she can go hood girl, like kind of, not exactly hood girl, but just enough to, to relate, <laughs> right? And then she's very upscale. She was married, here's the T, here's the real T. She was married to an NBA player. I forget who that NBA player she was married to from our lady, great aunt. She had two kids. See, she would fascinate men like Kevin Samuels. She was fucking fascinate. I mean, Kevin, what's his name? Is that Kevin? Kevin Samuels with Kevin and the O'Shea Jacksons of the world. She would fucking fascinate you guys because she had two fucking kids with an NBA player. <laughs> She's an entertainment lawyer, right? And she had quite the fucking come up. When you say somebody can't get caught, no, those are high-value men because they love to say that. She can't get another high-value man. I say it is more difficult when you're a single mother, but not Crystal McCurry. <laughs> and this tells me a lot about her. Oh, she got the wall. She went up. She, 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 she's like a, what is I, who I say? No, I don't know. She's like, yeah, she kind of went, she went up to me. I would say that who's that Emmett Smith's wife was quite, because Emmett Smith's wife was married to Martin Lawrence, and then she went across. She went kind of, I don't know if it was across the way, you know, marrying a sports. She married. She was married to a real popular comedian, but then she went to a real popular athlete. You know, she got that come up power, too. She had a child, too. Okay? 
Chris was very interesting. She had two kids, and then she's got a third one with him. And she's an entertainment lawyer, right? She's a producer in her own right, writes books and stuff like that. I pay attention to the shit, okay? So I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, I had to look. What is her sign? Because I was more interested in her sign <laughs> than his. Because I feel like the wife is where the power is at a lot of times, right? And so she's a Libra because she tried to hide it. what you call them? And see, I'm an investigator. I'm a Scorpio, so I'm an investigator. So I thought she was a Scorpio because she has a very Scorpion look, right? October 1969 is what they have for her birthday. I was like, oh, fuck that. You, your birthday's somewhere, <laughs> right? So I had to go through the Instagram. And I found her on her birthday. She is a cusper. She's a Libra Scorpio cusp, right on the edge, October 22nd, okay? So she has that Libra-esque with that Scorpio power. Oh, fuck. This, he's he's going to win this. If he doesn't win, he's going for bigger things, okay? If he doesn't win the mayor, trust me, he's going to go for bigger, bigger, bigger things. And that's why, because I've measured her temperature, okay? Um she had some, like, get-together or something. I was watching that. She had something with, when I saw Kamala Harris and all the regulars, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so here's the thing, you know, uh, she had a hell of a come-up, too. I mean, she's fucked up. I mean, she's like, I ain't on this NBA player. Okay, it didn't work, but damn it, I go, I'm going up. <laughs> oh, she went, she went fascinated to Kevin Samuel for the world. She went fascinated to um, she's very well connected. Very well connected. I mean, they. I mean, feel like socialite in New York. Okay, very well connected. I see all kind of celebrity friends, especially in the black celebrity world. Lots of them. So here's what I'll tell you, people, because I have a I have a few New York listeners, and people who. Listen to uh, the show from New York, y'all. Some y'all one of my little biggest group, okay? So let me explain something to y'all, okay? Politicians never work, and I, I said this. This is what I say to every everybody: when politicians are your, um, when you approach them on some like friend level. You never get shit done. Black, I mean, black people know that he's coming in. He's a, he's lying off, right, already talking about he ain't going to owe nobody but the city of New York. Bullshit. He's a Wall Street executive. If he makes it to mayor, he has lots of friends in high places. He's already hobnobbing with celebrities and having celebrities interview him and stuff like that. Know that he's, <laughs> he's going to be, be beholden to other entities. It just is what it is in politics, Okay. But as the black community in New York, okay, for those of you who are listening to me or other communities in New York who are listening to me, you need to hold his feet to the fire by having y'all's agendas ready and be ready to talk shit to him when he comes. And don't look at his wife, as cute as she is, and it has very, and they have an NBA son, a son that's in the NBA, and a son, you know, his, his, his son, and a and a daughter who just graduated or something like that. Don't look at how lovely the family. Oh, there's such a lovely family. Oh, that's a, you know, like we get food. We can't afford to get food by all of that. Y'all cute. Okay. Oh, yeah, yes, y'all cute little family. Oh, girl, you got it going on. She be dressing her ass off. I saw this. I saw, I saw like, I went through all the shit. I saw, so, like, like she's, like, she is fire, okay? She's, that's that Libra coming through, Okay. 
and I automatically liked her. Okay, so here's what I say. Don't be fooled. Okay, don't, oh, that's cute. I'm glad you look like Michelle. You got Michelle Obama. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But what is it that you're going to do for us? That's all you care, that's all you care about. Don't be fooled by Maxwell interviewing them. I think they got another celebrity that they got interviewing them. Uh, all this stuff. Don't be fooled by none of that bullshit. <laughs> okay? It's, you need to see, because he's very much what I would say, Boulay-esque. Is he Boule? Like Boulay-esque? Like if, if there was ever Boule, I would think Boulay. <laughs> I mean, like, didn't, like, Kamala Harris, like, announce her VP or something like that in their living room or something, some shit like that. I mean, very Boulay-esque, okay? Very not, uh, They he's trying to come in as not a part of the system because he thinks he's not a politician, but he's very much a fuck a politician. He's a businessman, but he's still a fucking politician. I say he's been practicing politics for most of his fucking life. That wife he got, everything, that's all politics, okay? Hanging with the celebrities, all politics. He's very political. And I would say he's not non-traditional. And that's okay because that's what you have to do in a city like New York to come in and be and, and try to be mayor you got to hobnob. You got to understand this. This is what we as black people got to start understanding. These these politicians, they going to do what they got to do to get a fucking vote and get in, okay, and get raised money and all kind of shit. Our thing is not to be fooled by all the glitz and glamour surrounding them and saying, what are you bringing to the table for black people? Crime is fucking up in New York. The rent. It's fucking high. <laughs> and the last time the city was cleaned up, a fucking Giuliani was in. <laughs> now, you Democrats claim you the shit, but Giuliani is the one who cleaned this motherfucker up. And a few things happened beforehand. Yes, a few things happened before. Giuliani just got, there's a great article about that too. Let me pull things. Where's that at? It's a great article about about New York. I gotta pull it up. Y'all know how I be doing on these streets. Where is it at? There is a great article about how New York City got cleaned up. I really liked it. Uh, I'm gonna try to find it for y'all. And tell y'all, y'all know how I be doing around these streets. Okay, how New York City became safe, the full story, okay? And it is, this was written in 2009, okay? A very old article, but it's one first reading because it gives you, it wasn't just Giuliani, but beforehand there was a lot of public and private sectors that came together to make, because you remember New York City used to be like fucked up. And it's getting back fucked up again, too. Okay? But Giuliani was like the crown jewel for it. By the time when Giuliani came around, he understood that energy, like how to put certain things in place and order in place that helped New York. I know y'all don't like to admit it because y'all are like, fuck, Giuliani. Yes, Giuliani was hard as fuck, was horrible as fuck on race relations. Fuck, he, yes, he was a fucker on race relations. But he did kind of help clean up the fucking city, right? Um, you know, because people hated Giuliani. I remember. 
people hated Giuliani before he became mayor. People hated that. People hate. People knew he was because Giuliani had a hard reputation. When he was a kill, when he was the guy who took out that hurt the mob in New York and stuff like that. Um, a lot of history here, okay? But this article gives you kind of a rundown. It wasn't just Giuliani. It was a number of things, okay? But you got to ask yourself, the Democrats, like, and Koch was pretty good and stuff like that. But you, they set the stage for it to get better. But you have to ask yourself, what the fuck happened? You got, uh, what's his name, Bellasio, uh, what's the guy's name in there? And you've had, and before that was Bloomberg, was it Bloomberg? I forget, was it Bloomberg? With his tired ass. Okay, because you had a businessman before there. Bloomberg was there. Bloomberg, who is a businessman. So it's going to be interesting with McGuire stepping forth. So don't get fooled by the Spike Lee of it all, because I'm pretty sure he'll be coming out pretty soon. <laughs> McGuire, are the Maxwells, are the uh, are the are the, uh, are the other celebrities? Because they know a they know a host of like he was talking. He was throwing out Jay Z on on the Breakfast Club, which made me raise my eyebrow up even more. All the celebrities, Nas, you know Jay Z, Nas, and those guys. They, you know, they all think I can get it done. I was like, oh, that's not saying much. <laughs> Don't be in the admiration of it, fucking all. Okay, so fucking what you you were a great executive at Citigroup, and your wife seems dope as fuck. However. What are you going to do for black people? And why the fuck should we live in New York City with the rent being as high as it fucking is? <laughs> Y'all need to ask some questions in New York if you black. Shit, you need to ask some real serious ass questions of McGuire. Don't just don't just don't don't buy the hype. Because the celebrities are upping his ass. I mean, Maxwell, and Maxwell, you're so cute. Maxwell's so cute. He's so cute. I was like, oh, God, he's fine. This is like, it's like early in the morning, and he looks, wow. Oof. Gorgeous. I was like, I, I was like, I tried to pay attention to the interview, but I couldn't. Here, and then I said, okay. But then I started, went back, and I said, oh, he's, it's a, it was a lot of admiration there. I don't know if we got many questions. <laughs> It was a frat for parade. That's cute. Maxwell, get your John Legend on. I understand. I understand, bro. I, I totally get it. <laughs> I understand the John Legend and shit of it all. <laughs> Y'all got to do that now. Y'all got to got shit. Records ain't selling shit. You got to you got to put your feet stirred somewhere, okay, and start moving in and out. Because it helps people. Somebody like McGuire brings a lot of help in a lot of circles. Shit, I understand y'all asses completely, okay? That's why y'all can't, we got to get real in these streets as black people. That's why we can't trust fucking celebrity when it comes to introduce somebody to the platform. It's not that he may really seriously believe in McGuire. I believe he does. But however, we have to be very leery of them because they, you know, they run in these fucking circles all the time. You know, you and black people in the hoods and stuff like that, y'all ain't, y'all know who the fuck he comes, you know, he in. But he doing who he is, okay? So you got to come with your agendas 
can't be like, yeah, that's cute, celebrities. Listen to what they got to say. Move the fuck on, okay? <laughs> I mean, but don't don't let celebrity lure you into voting for this guy, okay? Don't. That's where we we got to understand there's connections for everybody, and we got to understand that he got going. He gonna have connections that he got to pay back. So black people, you need to come with your gen, agenda strong. It's like, not black and brown people. Well, I ain't got nothing to do with brown people. Black people, you need to come and, no offense, I, I love all people, but black people, I'm interested in black people's agenda. Black people, you have to come with your agenda in place in New York. Y'all know how y'all probably getting displaced more than anybody in fucking gentrification. New York looks like a fully fucking gentrified. It, it, it was like, New York has gotten so gentrified. Thank you. Remember y'all was excited about Bill Clinton moving to Harlem? <laughs> the celebrities, everybody was hyped about Bill Clinton. And what what happened when Bill Clinton's asses moved them offices to Harlem? Shit. Within a few years, y'all was yelling the rent was high in Harlem. Y'all Y'all couldn't afford to live there. White people saw him over there. Oh, he was the. See, that's why I say black people don't trust nobody. Have your agenda in place. Don't be don't be mesmerized by his 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 friends. Don't be mesmerized by who the fuck his wife is. Don't even be mesmerized by his highly uh, uh, interesting business career. Fuck that. What are you gonna do for us? That's all we care about. We ain't friends. We here for a transaction. You want this vote? You better come with some shit for us, okay? You, you really. Mm-mm-mm. It's sad. I mean, New York is just, New York is starting to be a sad story. So I would say, especially for black people, a lot of black people are running out because they can't afford it no more and stuff like that. So you really, you don't, you can't afford to be. Uh, 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 be impressed by these guys no more. You gotta have, you got to come with it now, and especially, you know, with police brutality and everything. And let me say this too, <laughs> before I finish with this this segment, Maxwell, quit trying to sell till the cops come knocking off as a fucking advocacy. I was laughing my ass off. I had to rewind it a couple times. I was like, Are they? Is he talking about till the cops come knocking? I, <laughs> I kept rewinding it back because <laughs> this guy, you know, politicians will say any fucking thing. I have to laugh. Okay, so, like, so they were, Maxwell was talking about that when he wrote to the cops come knocking, you know, and I've heard him say this in other interviews about, you know, it's another way, like, the cops coming, I mean, like, it's a good thing. I don't know what he's trying to say, but all I thought the song was about was when people having sex so loud that the cops come and, you know, the disturbance of the peace, like, shut y'all asses up. Y'all waking up the neighborhood. But y'all trying to turn that into a fucking advocacy, like that's you know a fucking in, in, in that interview. I was like, till the cops come knocking, it's not a fucking advocacy. <laughs> it's about what it's about. <laughs> I think Maxwell did this before with that lake by the ocean. I heard him in an interview trying to talk about with the water things going on in the air with the water. I was like, what the fuck? That is fuck. Does that have anything to do with with water? <laughs> I mean, it, it does. But not not the water getting better. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny 
to make those connections in the interview and for him to agree with it, I was laughing my ass off. That was the funniest fucking part of the interview, okay? I was laughing my ass off. But it was a great, listen, Maxwell, shout out to you. It was a great interview. I know it takes a lot for you to come out of your shyness into a shy guy from Brooklyn to do an interview with a politician. So shout out to you. You did a great job, but I will talk my shit. <laughs> So remember, black people, what I said about this guy. Look him up. Look his wife up. Look all of that shit up. You'll see all the shit I was talking about. They are not really outsiders. They're very much insiders, okay? And so that you can be aware, because I think he's going to be mayor. You know why? Because he has the proper channels. Now, who else is running? Is it Aunt? Wait a minute. Let me look at this. Let me look this up. I forget the other, a couple other people. Who was it? Who's a strong competition? I think Andrew Yang is trying to run for New York City mayor. Okay. Uh, he might be the top competition. Listen, I don't know if Andrew Yang can pull it off, unless he'll pull it off in a money way. Uh, but this guy right here is, you know, he's a Wall Street guy. So I, I, I feel like he's going to be the dark horse that overtakes the race. When I start seeing celebrities and I looked at his wife and everything like that, you can always tell either he's going to win or if he doesn't win, this is going to be the platform for him to go for something fucking bigger, okay? So pay very much, very much attention to Ray McGuire, okay? All right. Let's, so it's a word. What is this a word today? Y'all like, Carlotta, you a trip. <laughs> you will talk about your favorite. I show that shit will. <laughs> okay, it's a word. Today is about soul maintenance in a deceptive world. That's what I came up with. I don't know, you know. And I really didn't finish my it's a word because I didn't finish it. But I'm going to just talk off the cuff, Okay. A lot, of, a lot of times I do on It's a Word, but it's about uh, soulmates in a deceptive world. And the the verse that kept coming to me, you know, I use Bible verses from time to time, is what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Man, I often ask myself this because, you know what, I struggle. I struggle. I don't know about y'all. Y'all might tell me. Y'all might be lying out here talking about, yes, you know what? That's right, girl. Out of, you know, I'm, I, shoot, I don't need the world. Uh-uh. I be liking the world. <laughs> I got a, I got a thing about I got a little thirst for power. So, you know, yeah, I struggle with this uh, particular uh, sometimes Bible verse about gaining the world, a whole world, and losing your soul. Like, you know, like, you know, And the world has a gate gets more deceptive. I mean, I like sometimes I think to myself, is it worth it to be what people consider on the fringes of like, you know, like where you are kind of, um, I'm sort of like where I question everything, where I um, kind of, a, I'm a little bit of a, 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 a pessimist. <laughs> Not a pessimist. I don't consider myself a pessimist. A realist, okay? And I may, and I like a lot of idealism too. But I question 
the uh, structures of the world. I question uh, how I, the, the what goes on beneath those structures and stuff. Sometimes I think to myself, you know what? You can make life so much more simpler for simpler for yourself, Carlotta, if you just went with the flow of everybody else. Like if you just fucking said, everybody, go get the Pfizer vaccine. <laughs> And don't question the fucking vaccine, okay? All right, you just said, you know what? Just, I mean, everything's okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, if you just didn't question it, it, you could be, it could be so much more simpler for you. You could move so much faster in the world. <laughs> and I struggle that with that sometimes, right? And I know you will, too. And as we, as we come more and more into a world, I feel like, that is gaining more and more into deception and more and more into, um, into where it makes it harder for you to have individual thoughts and an individual mindset and group think and group mob mentality is suddenly the thing, you may find yourself as an outsider in a world like this, okay? But, I always go back to that scripture. What does it profit you if you gain all the people in the world's respect, which is fickle, because one day they like your ass and the next day they mad at your ass, okay? (laughs) But if you gain all their respect, but you lose the very heart and the very soul and the very purpose of who you are, what do you gain from that? When you lose the very thing that makes you tick, that make the very thing that makes you you, the very soul essence of you, okay? So what do you gain by gaining the world's appreciation, the world's love? And guess what? We all like it. We all want to. I'm a Leo ascendant, so you know I like attention. <laughs> Right? So, but, you know, Leo's ascendants, we like it because we, unlike the Leo, like straight Leos, Leos mostly like, you know, Leos just are our big show off. You know, Leo ascendants do it because they want purpose behind it or something like that. So, what does it do? What does it mean for you if you get all the attention, all the love, everybody likes you? But inside, you're like dead. To what you believe Like you're dead to it You're like I don't really believe that What I just said I don't really believe What I just put on, Who I just put on I don't really uh, I participated in this But I kind of know it's wrong Or I did this and that And every day Because we all do it we, We've done it before And little things that chip at your soul Like you know what I'm saying Like I've been in a room Where I've agreed with people Just to get along you know, like, and sometimes you, sometimes you have you have to weigh when to argue and when not to and stuff like that. But where I knew that if I had said something, it might have put me in a different position, but I could have changed the situation, right? I've been in a place where I didn't say anything, and a little bit of me was lost. You know what I'm saying? A little bit of my voice or a little bit of of my thought process. So what does it mean? You know, celebrities, I often wonder, I, celebrities I feel like have it the hardest. Remember I always talk about Beyonce, like, rocking around like a robot. I think Beyonce walks around like a robot because she's scared to speak. Because, dang it, if I talk about who I really am, if I really share with the world who I really am, I might lose all of y'all's love. 
And that's a lot because, you know, that's where you make your money. People like you, right? So she has to find some balance because what does it gain for her to gain all the world's love and appreciation but not have no soul in it? You know, here's the thing I want to say to you guys. We have to practice uh, in this world uh, having soul maintenance doing things that help encourage us each day, because we're humans. We're going to make mistakes. Often sometimes we're going to pick pick things that are not best for our soul, okay? But what we do, if you have what soul maintenance is, is reading things that encourage you, inspire you. Maybe maybe you read the Bible and the Bible inspires you, or maybe you read motivational books, or maybe you listen to motivational speakers or, or different people that you have that encourages the maintenance of your soul and helps you to maintain some sort of integrity as you move throughout a world that is full of deception, full of pitfalls, full of all kinds of shit, <laughs> because we are in that kind of energy right now, right? So, and I, you know, I even see it in my own life. I say, you know what, I got so many, like right now I'm like navigating in my life a whole lot of, like I'm like, ooh, like I see a lot of uh, pitfalls. I remember one time I went to, what's, it, what's my church? My church, yeah, my church in Kansas City. My pastor, Pastor Wesley, he had a sermon about uh, where he had this big, and I think Bishop Jakes did something like this too, but I know Pastor Wesley did it. He had like a sermon where he had uh, these, uh, like we were, you were driving down a highway and every every stop, like it had a little a construction thing out and you were in danger of falling in the pit hole and you had to navigate your way around it through different things and different, you had to say, oh, I'm at an obstacle. Wow, how do I navigate my way around it? Either I go around this way, or which is very slim and narrow, or else I go through the way of the pit, the pit and I fall in the pit, right? And that was what his sermon was about. Well, I actually feel like that in my life a lot, okay? You know, I feel like I'm always navigating myself like, oh, what, uh, is that the right way to go? Ooh, did I make the right decision? And there have been things that I've made, Terrible decisions, <laughs> right? But when you maintain soul maintenance, you're able to be like, okay, you know what? It's not perfect over here, but I need to get my soul back on track, my maintenance of my soul back on track, so that I can move in the uh, move towards the direction that I need to move towards. Okay, and sometimes those directions won't always be easy. Sometimes you'll have to give up things that are very important to you or people that are very important to you in order to move towards your purpose and your destiny, okay? Uh, There will be things required of you sometimes that that feel much bigger than you, okay? But the task that God put you here to do is very big, okay? And sometimes you got to do what you got to do, right? So I just wanted to say to you guys to think about that today. That is your it's the word. It is maintaining your soul in the uh, maintenance of your soul in a deceptive world. How do you do that? You know, think about yourself today. It's like think about what are the things that you can do to maintain the greatest amount of, how can I say it, integrity towards yourself and what you feel inside. 
okay? And it's hard. Let me tell you, it's so hard because there are so many things that obstruct that. I, I'm with you. Hey, I'll be talking, I talk to y'all about spiritual things, but I talk to y'all about things that I struggle with too, okay? I'm not telling you nothing now and then, like, you know, trying to act like it's all good, good over here. Because y'all, y'all be sadly, sadly misguided, <laughs> okay? So that is your it's a word. Uh, what does it, remember the scripture, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? What does it profit you if you got the position but you had to uh, sleep with six people to do it? <laughs> I mean, really, maybe maybe you won't mind it. But if your integrity is I don't want to sleep with nobody to get it, or you had to do something that you, that was against your mind or your heart, who get it, and you get it, and sometimes you're like, oh, well, dang, this is kind of empty here. It wasn't what I thought, right? So uh, always remember that. What is it? If it affects your soul, is it worth it, okay? That's just a word for today. All right, y'all. Now we coming down to the news. When I get back, we're going to get into these news out in these streets. We're going to talk about, what I got up there to talk about? Portia. We ain't going to talk about Portia first. We are talking about uh let's see. We got um we gotta talk about the Israel and Hamas fighting, okay? And I told y'all they was gonna start messing with this gas out in the street. I told y'all this about when was I tell y'all that about two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, my listeners are ahead of the shit, okay? <laughs> we talked about that about two uh two weeks ago. We're gonna talk about Portia. We're gonna get into Portia and all the mess. That's going on to make a really hot, real Housewives of Atlanta storyline. Listen, Andy, get Nene back her peach. Y'all, y'all gotta quit playing. Nene, y'all need Nene. <laughs> I miss Nene. I, I just miss Nene for what Nene can say to Portia. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about uh, how the Yankees, some Yankees players, tested positive for COVID despite having a vaccination. There's a lot of that going around. And vaccinated people can now dis, uh, uh, ditch their mask. Y'all not liking it. Y'all not believing the CDC. Y'all getting mad at the CDC. I can't understand this when y'all been believing everything they had to say up to this point. Now they telling y'all y'all can let go of the mask, and now y'all ass is scared and don't want to believe them. It's just the craziest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> Talk about Nelly. Nelly might want a lawyer up out in these streets because he is being brought into the T.I. and Tiny mess. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more on the CC show. Meanwhile, I got to put y'all up. I got to uh, play some music for y'all. <clears throat> you know what? It makes me. Oh, yes. This is one I want to play. Oh, my God. You know, I like this guy. There's this song I really love by him. That he remade uh, from Andre 2000. Is Andre 3000 or is it 2000? It's 3000. Andre 3000. Shit, I done lost track of his name. He ain't been out in so long. The dude from Outcast, okay? Remember he had the prototype song, right? And he remade it. And I thought, oh, my God, that is so dope. And then I saw him in concert. We went to go see Ro James one night, and he was opening up for Ro James. I mean, this kid is like, I was like, damn, this kid is dope. Like, this kid should be bigger than what – he should be bigger. Like, in my opinion, he should be bigger. It's Kevin Ross, okay? And he got this new one out. I love this son. God is a genius. 
So we're going to start it off with that on the CC Show. I'll be back in a moment, y'all.
spilled over into the West Bank on Friday, sparking the most widespread Palestinian protest in years. As hundreds of young demonstrators in multiple towns clashed with Israeli troops who shot and killed at least 11 people, okay? Uh, Israel, Israel's bombardment of the Gaza Strip continued into early Saturday when an airstrike on the house of Gaza City killed at least seven Palestinians the highest number of fatalities in a single hit. That strike came a day after a furious overnight barrage of tank fire and airstrikes that weakened destruction in some towns, killed a family of six, oh, my God, in their house, and sent thousands fleeing into their homes, okay? Uh, the Israel, Israeli military said that the operation involved 160 warplanes dropping from 80 tons of explosives over the a course of 40 minutes and succeeded in destroying a network of tunnels used by Hamas to elude airstrikes and surveillance. Israel appeared determined to inflict as much damage as possible on Gaza's Hamas rulers before international af- efforts for ceasefire accelerated. Since Monday night, Hamas has fired hundreds of rockets into Israel, which has pounded the Gaza Strip with strikes. In Gaza, at least 126 people have been killed, including 31 children, 20 women in Israel. Seven people have been killed, including a six-year-old boy and a soldier, okay? House Udwa, Udwa said she and her extended family ran Huda, Huda Uda, I said house, Huda Uda, I think I'm saying her name right, said she and her extended family ran frantically into the home of a Gaza town of Beit Honan, I don't know if I'm saying that right, seeking safety as the earth shook in darkness. We even, we even did not dare to look from windows to know what is being hit, she said. When daylight came, she saw the destruction, streets uh, cratered, buildings crushed, or with uh, a facade, facade blown off. The cage going off, okay? And she says, an olive tree burned bare, thus covering everything. The latest airstrike targeted a three-story house on the edge of a refugee camp, said Agua, who, who lives nearby, said Israeli warplanes, Israeli warplanes dropped at least three bombs on the home without warning residents in advance. I cannot endure and ran back into my home, he said. Rescuers called a bulldozer to dig through the rubble to the survivors for the survivors' bodies. Listen, this is so sad. And the only thing I could just say is pray, you know, for people, Israel. Uh, wow. I mean, you know, so much death. You know, can you imagine? Like, they have constant wars, you know, constant stuff going on, you know. And it just makes you think how blessed you are right now. You know what I'm saying? You know, think about those people who who waking up to fighting every damn day. You know what I'm saying? Think about the Palestinians, Israelis. I mean, it is crazy. You know, just think about the blessings that you didn't have to walk up, wake up to uh, uh, streets being uh, uh, bombed out. Uh, people digging through buildings for bodies, houses for bodies. Look at, I mean, you know, just think about how blessed you are today, okay? You know, so very sad. And I'm, I'm afraid that this will probably keep going on, okay? 
really, really sad, okay? Now, let's go into the gas shortage, because I told y'all, I told y'all they was going to start messing with gas up in these streets. This is according to BaltimoreSun.com. It says gas shortages at the pumps are spreading from the south to the mid-Atlantic states where Virginia and District of Columbia have become some of the hardest-hit areas following a cyber attack that forced the shutdown of the nation's largest gasoline pump. It was so funny. I saw a person the other day on uh, on Instagram, and they had a uh, <laughs> they had a, the Batman, you know, the Batman light up, and it had Donald Trump's face in it. <laughs> Talk about gas prices and talk about gas prices and uh, uh, food prices got me like and it had the Batman signal and it had Donald Trump in the signal. <laughs> I said, hell yeah, cause Donald gas was not this high and the prices going up. Hell yeah, put the bad light out for Donald ass. I don't know if he can do that there though. The tracking service GasBuddy.com on Friday showed that 88% of gas stations were out of fuel in Washington, D.C. About half were out in Virginia, and 42% of Maryland stations were dry. Nearly 70% of stations were without gas in North Carolina, and about half were tapped out in Georgia and South Carolina. A gas station owner in Virginia said panic buying is the problem. Well, hell yes, I knew it was going to be the problem. Because we talked about this last week on the show, and y'all hear me opening up my drink. <laughs> but we talked about this last week on the show, and I said that people were going to do this like toilet paper. A couple of weeks ago on the show, I talked about it. I said people going to be running out here with gas because humans, you cannot talk about it's, I said it's irresponsible fucking newscasters and news people talking, you know, we might be running short on gas. These mofos will run the fuck out here with these gas cans and plastic bags and shit, which is stupid, and start filling up gas and all kind of stuff like toilet paper. Couldn't find, remember we couldn't find toilet paper for fucking months. Thank goodness I was, I was already a, a Sam shopper. You know, I was raised by Ruby Chapman, so <laughs> we she taught to buy a book. <laughs> right? So it was like, you know, but you mofos have bought up all the toilet paper for some reason during COVID. It was crazy. It was crazy stuff. Now people buying up all the gas. I'm not surprised about this kind of behavior. It's like Frenzy Barry Rieger, who owns a gas station in Burke, Virginia, told WGLA-TV. Georgia-based Colonia Pipeline on Thursday reported making a sub- substantial progress in resolving the computer hack-induced shutdown. It said operations had restarted and gasoline, gasoline deliveries were being made on all of its markets. And it's not only a gasoline problem they're having with the, with the hacking. They're even saying they may have a shortage of drivers. Remember I talked about that last week that there, there's there been a shortage of drivers after COVID about, you know, them getting gas to certain parts of the country and stuff like that. See, it's some other shit going down too here. Okay. But it says it will take several days for things to return to normal, and some areas may experience intermittent, intermittent service interruptions during the startup period, the company said. In North Carolina, at least five school systems announced Thursday that they would shift to remote learning as gasoline supply crisis continued. Among them, Durham, Franklin, Vance, and Wake Counties, 
which canceled in-person learning for Friday. The email sent to parents in the Wake County system, the largest in North Carolina, cites the impact of gas shortage on, the, on staffing, availability, and student transportation. Businesses were also feeling the sting. At Dixie Speedway in Woodstock, Georgia, all the maintenance and safety vehicles have to be filled up before stock car racing and the next two Saturdays. But all the gas stations close to use within a mile of a uh, – Close to use within a mile of us are out of gas, okay, said Mia Green, the track's general manager. She heard of at least a couple of racetracks in the region and canceled upcoming races this weekend because of race crews might not be able to get uh, there due to gas shortages. Many authorities are warning of the dangers of hoarding gas, okay. Um, they're talking about how uh, a woman in South Carolina was severely burned after flipping a car that deputy tried to pull over for a suspected stolen license plate Thursday night, okay? I guess she had uh, stuff in there, okay, gas in there. Listen, okay, the, this, is, this is going to cause chaos. And, the, you know, here's the sad thing about this, and I'm hoping they, it's slowing down there and they get the shit together because, you know, uh, just think how, how get, coming out of COVID, how not only gas is going to, we had that unnecessary shutdown, yes, unnecessary shutdown, now we have to uh, deal with the fallout, uh, you know, economically. We're just now trying to come back from that. And now we're having a gas shortage. Just think about what a gas shortage would do to businesses, travel, all the things that we need to get back on track. Okay? So, y'all, you know, hey, all I can tell y'all is pray out in these streets. Oh, man, it's a mess out here. And put out the bat light for Donald. <laughs> God, I'm so silly. I know y'all be tired of my laugh. <laughs> Turn down your headphones. <laughs> oh, Lord. Shall we talk about Portia? <laughs> oh, Portia's so pretty. That's a pretty baby girl. That's that girl, she is she is a doll baby, okay, but pretty is her problem, baby. <laughs> Oh, Portia, Portia, Portia (laughs) One of the few episodes I saw of Real Housewives of Atlanta this year Was the episode when Portia introduced Fallon Which is uh, Simon's ex of man she's now engaged to ex, Well, soon-to-be ex-wife They're still married right now Tasha K had a good interview the other night too with the new girl who's claiming to have had a relationship with Simon during the time he's married and messing with Portia. So like he's triple cheating, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well you got rich man things. Rich the things men with money can do. <laughs> oh, but anywho, I watched the episode where. He, Fallon was introduced as Portia's friend. I know, Portia, you're saying you're not friends now. But Portia, when Fallon was introduced, which she's Fallon is very beautiful also, uh, introduced as a, as a friend, and they were out by the swimming pool. And I remember finding it really just like kind of creepy-esque 
that he was sitting out of the pool watching them. I just thought, I don't know, you know, it, I mean, I wouldn't say it's his house. You know, a husband can sit out by the pool while his friend, her friends, uh, your girlfriend, and your girl, you, you know, you and your girlfriend's out there hanging out, but it just seemed like he was watching them. It was, it just seemed really off to me. And I remember saying, mm, mm, she better watch his ass. I remember thinking that on watching the show. <laughs> Little did I know. Portia may have peeped gang too. <laughs> Let me stop laughing so I can tell y'all this damn story. <laughs> Dailymail.com, Real Housewives of Atlanta. This is according to Dailymail.com. Real Housewives of Atlanta's Portia Williams shocks that she confirms engagement to co-star Fallon Gubadiz. I don't know if I'm saying their name right. A strange husband, Simon, and insists she had nothing to do with recent divorce filing. Okay. The 39-year-old reality star took to Instagram on Monday to share a snap of herself. Now, listen, Portia, who is very beautiful, okay, will also be a monkey wrench to the Kevin Samuels. <laughs> Even though I don't think it'll last with this guy. Now, Portia, I will say this, okay? You do got a type, girl. You like that money, though. The, the money is a consistently consistently in the type, and I ain't mad at it. You know, I ain't mad at women who go for men who got it going on. Okay? I just, listen, listen, I do not, I'm not mad at that kind of stuff. Listen, ladies, okay? Because, ladies, you know, we got, we got so long on the scale, and I'm not talking about just going with men that got it going on. I'm talking about a nice man. So now, Portia clearly is, I don't know, this dude might be a little out there, but. I'm not mad when money becomes a factor in relationships, okay? I mean, I really, you know, I, I really preach that to young ladies now. I really do. I think that is, it, it, it should be a factor, okay, in who you marry and who you, it's not the big factor, but it should be one of the factors, okay? Uh, Persia is probably what people would call a hypergamist. <laughs> The 30-day-year-old reality star took to Instagram on Monday to share a snap of herself with Simon Gubadadia. Is that how you say his name? Along with a lengthy caption. Portia explained to her 6.3 million viewers, for all of you that need facts, I get the optics, but Simon filed for divorce from a previous marriage in January. She continued, Fallon and I are not friends. Maybe not anymore. <laughs> As Simon's divorce has been settled, our relationship is a positive, loving step forward in everybody's life. Now, I hear he's still married, okay, on these streets, allegedly. Portia first sparked engagement speculation during Mother's Day celebrations on Sunday. Uh, as she shared a snap of herself with her hand placed on the stomach of Simon, 56, with a massive diamond sparkler on her left ring finger. In the snaps, Portia and Simon were joined by father to her two-year-old son, daughter, Pilar Jenna, and ex-fiance Dennis McKinley, leaving fans confused. Now, listen, Dennis took that picture because Dennis is happy as fuck that she got another benefactor. <laughs> Dennis like, get her off my ass out. Oh, it's real pretty. What if I cover a lot of shit? 
Portia. Everybody was going, this is scandalous. This is Dirty Dog. Because Portia said something about girl code with the hoe. Remember when Portia was called with the stripper? Mm-hmm. Portia was the one with the stripper, with Polo. Oh, yeah, allegedly in these streets. Mm-hmm. And Kenya told, and she was talking about girl code on the Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion or something. I didn't see it, but y'all was talking about it, right? Girl code is that you do not fuck with your friend's man. Like, I mean, you know. I was in high school, though. Can I tell y'all? Okay. When I was in high school, I did do this. It was not a good thing. She only had went on a couple of dates with him, right? A friend of mine. I was in high school. Shit. I was like 17. Hell. And she, 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 she just didn't like that, right? Now. She felt some sort of way because the guy, you know, probably about a year later, I went out with a guy. Maybe no, I was seven. I was I was seventeen. I was sixteen when they went out. I was seventeen. It was like our junior year or something, our senior year, beginning of our senior year, and I started going out with the guy. And I actually, it actually kind of worked <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> and she was feeling some sort of way because she felt like the whole time that it was really probably about me. And I had to think about that shit because it probably really, I didn't really realize that. But when she brought it to me, I was like, oh, fuck, that's not good. Like, you know, I felt really bad. I was like in high school. I know it was high school, it was, it was young shit, but damn. Here's the thing. Somebody's ex-husband, somebody's husband, if you've been in their house and you called yourself their friend, and they're going through a divorce, and suddenly your fucking ass ends up with him. The divorce ain't, the ink ain't even dry. It's so disrespectful. You're not even being respectful. At least cause you could be respectful and say, shit, like, hey, let's not announce the engagement, you know, until after, like, maybe six months down the road. We don't want to hurt her any more than she's going to be hurt by the fact of you and I being together, okay? Let's not do this shit. Let's be decent humans. We already done did some scandalous shit. Because <laughs> humans do scandalous shit. We already done did some scandalous shit. What is Portia? Let me look at Portia's ass. Portia reminds me of a Pisces. Portia's ass out in these streets. What is Portia? I got to see where her ass is. Yeah, but we already done did some scandalous Let's not do, let's not let let's not do any more damage, okay? And and you know, and damage to my reputation. Okay, she's a cancer, all oh, that shit. <laughs> yeah. They say a moon Aquarius, I don't believe that. I've heard a moon a Pisces and I believe a moon Pisces. I would go for a moon if it's a moon Aquarius I'd be very shocked at that energy. She she gives me so much Piscean off. And I heard Rabina talking about this earlier this week, too. I just feel like she gets so much astrology with Rabina. I feel like she gets so much Pisces energy. She, I thought she was a Pisces, really. Um, yeah, Portia's a trip. <laughs> uh, listen, and there has to be some, that's like some shade, because to me, he's not even, the divorce is not even final yet, or the ink is not even dry, and to come out with a wedding ring and taking pictures and shit, mm-mm. Portia, I'm looking at you a certain type of way. See, a heifer like her, mm-mm, she couldn't be two feet 
in front with, with with me. I couldn't hang two feet, five feet, ten feet. Uh-uh. She couldn't be nowhere. I, not that I don't. Not that I'm worried about her ass in that way. You know what I'm saying? I'm confident in myself and who I am. But I don't like sneaky bitches, you know, for her sake. I don't like sneaky bitches, bitches uh, sliming around me and all time plotting on the, the person by, with me. You know what I'm saying? And then when it don't, when we not together, then you, you really going to do damage by, you gonna, you're going to come before my marriage ink is even, the divorce ink is even dry. And have your hands on his chest with the ring and all that shit. That shit is not cool. I mean, even if you wasn't that close friends with her, you pretended to be her, be her friend. You introduced her on the Real Housewives of Atlanta as your friend, and it is some scandalous shit when you uh, when you come out and do it that harshly. A mess. I mean, you know, shit happens, okay? But however, have some a little bit of decency about yourself and say, "Hey, babe, let's wait before we announce this, okay?" Because you know, she this is this is something hard. We already she probably don't already understand us being together. Let alone, see that tells you how they ain't got no affection for her. But anyway, Andy, they said they found out. They said Andy Cohen. This is according to HollywoodLife.com. Reveal what he really thought about Portia Williams' surprise engagement to Simon Gubadia, who is still finalizing his divorce for Portia's Real Housewives of Atlanta star, co-star Fallon. He ain't even finalized. You know Fallon got a peach. Fallon's ass got a peach. Now, some people think this is a fake story to get them peaches and shit like that, to get them out because it's a good-ass story for Real Housewives of Atlanta, okay? Especially a franchise without Nene, Okay. But it says, I think it, she, he said, I think it's wild, man, Andy Cohen admitted while reacting to Portia Williams' surprise engagement to film producer Simon Gubadea, who not too long ago filed for divorce from Portia's co-star Fallon on May 14th, on the May 14th episode of Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. Andy was eager to see how the situation would play out, given that Simon and Fallon just announced their split on April 22nd. However, Portia clarified that she started dating Simon a few months after he filed for divorce. Okay, let's see if uh, Andy, we can get Andy's talking up here. Okay, I'm going to let y'all hear this. Hey, let's go. Andy talking. Let's see, Andy, what his thing is. Let's see if we can get it up. So y'all can hear it, y'all see How are you? I love your floral background. Well, you should recognize it. It's Elisa's front yard. Oh, my God, it is. <laughs> she doesn't know, but I moved in. Yes, I it is. Wow, week. you live at Villa Rosa. I love it. Uh, what's your question? I have a question? What do you think about Portia? Me? Oh, the question is for me. What do I think about Portia? I think it's wild, man. I'm, 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 I'm staying tuned. I, I can't wait to find out more. <laughs> I know. Hello. I know Andy can't. I know Andy can't wait. <laughs> Andy probably got the film crews already right out and ready. <laughs> oh, Portia. Now here's the interesting thing. Okay, this week a girl comes forward already claiming Simon's cheating on both Portia and his wife. Oh, 
K introduced her, uh, you know, Tasha K just talked to her the other night, and it was an interesting interview because, you know, here's what it tripped me out. I was like, you know, <sighs> call me a little innocent dove, but I, I, I'd be so shocked about when people talk about cocaine usage so freely. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, it's, to me, it's still, I know it's probably not shocking. I know that Hollywood people sometimes regularly do that shit, but it's still like, like, really? Like, because when Tasha K was interviewing this chick the other night, this client claiming to be the side chick, right? She said something about he bought them, they just, he bought, he didn't use the cocaine, but he bought them some soap, cocaine or something, and they started using, I mean, don't quote me on it, go listen to Tasha K, the interview. But I was like, what? Like, like, huh? I know, it's a lot. I'm like, wow, you know. Oh, wow. And she was such a pretty girl, you know? And I was like, damn, like, you use it like that? Like, but then I think about these lifestyles, and these people probably do this shit all the time, like, sniffing it off each other and shit like this. It's like, what the fuck? But anyway, it says, according, this is Portia, the, uh, this is according to things.com, it says, a real housewife of Atlanta fans reel from Portia Williams' shock engagement to her former friend's husband. More tea is being spilled. A woman named Jessica Harris is claiming she was dating Portia's fiancé businessman, Simon Gubadea, last month. Portia revealed yesterday she started dating Simon last month. On her Instagram page, Harris proudly showcases an Instagram highlight entitled Simon's Car. If you look closely, you can see Gudabaugh's outline in the reflection of his car as Jessica poses in the driver's seat. A, ju- a jumper later identified as Gooba that is seen resting on Jessica's lap. Okay? Let me see this. Uh, she got it out here? She do. Wait a minute. I'm looking, y'all. I'm watching. Y'all can't see it, but I'm watching it then. Oh, it's a nice car. Oh, I see how his ass get with me. She got money. You can do a lot of shit. Oh, my God. You men can get away with a lot of bullshit. If I was a man and I had money, God had to pray for me. I wouldn't be having no kids or like a future shit. But my goodness, I mean, because you guys, so these women are so easy. I mean, it's like the same. It's it's just like so easy. Williams confirmed her engagement to the estranged husband of her Real Housewives uh, Atlanta co-star, Fallon Gubier. The 39-year-old reality star took to Instagram on Monday to share a snap of herself with him. In a lengthy caption of to her 6.3 million fans, she made it clear that she had nothing to do with her fian with her fiance's divorce from Fallon 31. Okay, okay, but Portia, this he was. Um, uh, now, he he claims that Fallon, people said, he was claiming that Fallon cheated on him. It don't even matter what Fallon did. The question becomes, it's like, you got to do her like this with her friend. I mean, just be decent about it. But they're saying, but he was, he's already got other women, Portia. You know, that's the sad thing. You know, here's the thing. Like, why get married? I mean, really. If you got other women out there, I mean, 
if you are that, if you, your dick needs that much coochie cat, okay? Um, and, you know, it's so funny because he be, he's one of those type of men that if he didn't have no money, he'd probably be a loyal motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> he ain't that cheap. He'd probably be a loyal ass. <laughs> but money gives you access to a lot of people and women and things who play your ass. Like women, you know, a lot of the majority of the men, they don't be fine like a Maxwell. You know, like Maxwell's fine. Like that, like Maxwell's ass could probably get women if he did not have, like, the, you know, he could probably be playing women out these streets with $10 in his pocket, you know, because he got, he got the looks. You're like, fuck you. Women will be, you know, you know how some of you wealthy girls do? Shit, y'all have him sleeping in the house and putting up his ass and everything if he couldn't sing, okay? I mean, I mean, even if he couldn't sing, if he was just an artsy type with no fucking money, y'all, y'all be, y'all see those type of dudes. You know those type of dudes, they be fine, like, like, five, years ago, sidebar, story time. Years ago, I'm going to have a lot of sidebar stories, too. I'm going to have a lot of juicy stories to tell y'all this today, too. But years ago, there was this guy who liked me. He was an artsy type. He was fine. He was, he was so good. But this this mofo, like, you know, he you could tell, like, you wouldn't really know if he was ever going to kick off in his art. Like, you're like, this motherfucker. Like, he he, he, he was so used to women. Like, like he had, and what the thing about it is we was cool. Like, we was cool. We was cool, cool. I, I knew better not to, you know, date him. I mean, like, get seriously dating him because I knew he was a type of fuck. Like, he could, he, he, could, he had older women and shit that, could, that wanted to take care of his ass because he was so fine. Like, they was taking care of him with no fucking money. <laughs> like, with, with me, he wanted to straighten up. I'll, I'll straighten up. I'll just get serious about my heart. I'm ready to be, you know, the guy you need. I'm like, bullshit. You be sweet. I'll I be having my ass working real hard. Your ass. <laughs> it's supposed to be the opposite. Your ass will be out here in these streets, you know what I'm saying, and doing whatever the hell you want to do because you know, you know. You can get women no matter what. Well, men like Simon can't. That's why they work so fucking hard for $40 million. Because they can get these girls that they know are out of their fucking league. Like, which is interesting to me because, like, it, like it's, it's so much. Because you have to keep maintaining that. You have to keep maintenance up. Like, the more women you have, the more maintenance it is, you know? The more money you have to put in, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, but dudes like him, he's not like a, a dude, like an artsy type, like that artsy dude I was talking about, like, I'm, like real good looking and could still, you know, he could be broke and still pull chicks. Or like, a, a, like I said, Maxwell or somebody like that, Maxwell or uh, like an Eric Benet type. They could be broke and still pull chicks because they want But dudes like Simon have to work real fucking hard in life, <laughs> okay? And he still got the nerve to be a player out in these streets. I mean, you like humble yourself. <laughs> but Simon's like, hell no, I'm gonna cheat on Portia's ass and Fallon's ass, and this like Portia, I think, will be his fourth wife. <laughs> a hot ass 
mess. I don't know what that dude is doing today. I wonder what that artist is. But he has so many women like that. He had women that, you know, and I could see the pattern because the women were taking care of it. He didn't have to, he was a jiggler. You know, he, could, he, he didn't have to really work. I got another interesting story, too, today I would tell y'all about somebody else saying, y'all going to be like, oh, my God, Carlotta, that is one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. But I got to tell y'all about it. I'll tell y'all later. But I was, but I, I knew, I was like, no way. Because, you know what, he's not going to, he's not going to straighten up. <laughs> he's so used to this. He's so used to the girls that just do anything for him. Like, No. <laughs> And I don't fucking got time. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I see, you know, dudes like Simon, they work really hard to get with it. And this is, you know, to, so that they can have access to those type of women. Even though they know the women are just fucking with them. Like, you know, the women, most of the women probably really don't like them. Does Portia really like Simon? Simon probably knows Portia is not really there. But the girl, wait a minute, hold on now. The girl, I think, kind of implied on Tasha K that he might have some bedroom game. Now, wait a minute, you can be not good looking and have some bedroom game, okay? That can happen too. Don't buy that. Hey, 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 hey. And it helps if you're, if you're a decent looking guy and you got a personality and you're nice and you're kind and you work real hard and stuff like that. I'm not talking about nice, I mean, you're kind. Because nice is a different thing. But if you're kind and you work real hard, you pull chicks too because your personality. Sometimes, when, or you know what I'm saying, are you decent? But dudes like Simon, who are just constant players and everything, it's like a kid in a candy shop. It's like that would that you know he he'd be walking around the candy shop staring at the candy if he had no money to buy it. He got all kind of money money to buy a whole bunch of candy. Oh, cocaine for bitches. Cocaine. <laughs> That's the last thing I'd ask a, a man to be buying me, some cocaine. Cocaine, bitch, fuck that. I don't need no cocaine. Cocaine, you put, that's out, it makes me out my mind. I want where I'm very clear up in this bitch. <laughs> Can I get uh, some businesses <laughs> and some investment? I got some shit I want to do. <laughs> That's what you girls need to be asking about. You all need to be asking about no cocaine. I couldn't believe when she said that on Tasha K. I said, did she say cocaine? <laughs> no, you. Be- and then she was talking about, you know, like Tasha K asked her about this girl who's allegedly been messing around with Simon while Portia's been messing around. She asked him, she said, well, how much, like, how much he gave you? And she said, oh, like $5,000. And she's like, she says, that's a, Tasha Gay's like, that's a lot of money. And she's like, she's like, is that a lot of money? <laughs> and then she's like, Tasha's like, well, how much did somebody that gave you in a day? And she's like, $13,000. I'm like, damn, you bitches is getting $13,000 in a day? And you, I think she said she was a part-time stripper? Allegedly, I think that's what she said. And you smell cocaine? What the fuck? You know, they tell you all these things, young ladies. I want to tell you to be the nice girl. 
Make sure you keep your grades up and shit like that, okay? Then you see bitches like this and you're like, really? I don't want y'all to grow up to snort no cocaine. But I do want y'all to be wise, okay? And understand men. And that's why I want y'all, I'm going to tell y'all who one of my favorite people to listen to. If you're a single girl out in these streets, let me tell you something. Something ever happened over here in this situation and I got single in these streets again, I would be listening to her because I'm older. I'm an older woman. I have to do some things differently. But for you young girls who are single out there, okay, and some of you older women, okay, you benefit from this chick. I really like her. I don't like, I don't agree with everything she says. I always got to put that out there because she would be thinking I agree with everything. No. But I will say this. I really like her a lot. There's two people I like. I like Jason Black, the business. But I love this young lady named Chloe, C-H-L-O-E underscore. Please go over and check out her, okay? Be smart in these games of dating. No longer can you be the nice girl that goes to school (laughs) and get your degree and expect to just marry well. No. You guys got to have some game out in these streets, okay? And Chloe has a lot of game for you, okay? I am advertising Chloe on here because I like her, okay? I ain't got nothing in intact with her or anything like that. I don't even know her. But I really love the show. I really love, I mean, love her, her little things that she puts out. So go and check her out because, you know, you got bitches out here like this, getting $13,000 like in a day. I'm like, 13000 Man, Tasha came back. Interview was great. <laughs> I learned a lot. Portia, 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 you already cheating, girl. That's all I can say on that. Portia's a wild one in these streets, okay? All right. So, when I, oh, we got to talk about the eight Yankees players. Okay. And have vaccinated people can diss the mask. Okay, let's talk about the eight Yankees players before we go to break. And, Okay. Okay, eight Yankees players and staff test positive for COVID-19 despite being vaccinated. Let me just say this, too. <laughs> I'm getting on Maxwell's ass today because I don't watch this interview. He said, he, in the interview, he was talking about the pandemic, right? And he says, yeah, I'm not, you know, you know like, we're, we're talk- I've been vaccinated, but, you know, I don't, I don't tell anybody what to do. I'm like, no, you don't have to tell anybody what to do. All you got to do is post that you were vaccinated and you inspire people to do what you do. And the fuck kind of power you got? Cut it out. <laughs> Celebrities be lying their ass off. They're so funny. They cute. Eight Yankees players and staff tested, but I laughed about that because he had put it out like twice about him being, uh, uh, you know, I just want to do it for myself because of my, my little situation. No, but you're very the very fact of you telling people inspires people to do it because people, for some reason, look up to celebrities like that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm going to go get a shot because Maxwell got a shot. Beyonce got a shot. Let alone Beyonce's ass come out here talking about, I went to go get a Pfizer shot. Shit. Y'all asses would be racing to that. <laughs> right? Okay. But it does, it's saying you can have the COVID shot and still be getting COVID out in these streets. I don't know what the hell's going on. 
But it says player Grebel Torres tested positive for a second time months after battling COVID-19 in the offseason. Uh, eight New York Yankees players and staff members that recently tested positive for COVID-19 were vaccinated before getting the virus. This is according to People.com. It says all of the players and staffers were given the Johnson. Oh, well. <laughs> You know, I hear the most effective ones are Pfizer and what is it, Moderna? Pfizer especially I've been hearing is, is very effective. Okay, but I'm not encouraging y'all to do shit. Y'all know that. Damn it, damn, be damned that. Okay, I, it ain't, I don't think it's nobody's business if you get a shot. That's your fucking business. It's, that's, we getting beyond, we getting so that we starting to tell people our business. That's HIPAA laws. The only people need to know the business is you and and, and where if you got health or some certain certain types of restrictions put on you, requiring you to get the vaccine or something like that. But other than that, that ain't nobody's business out here. People telling everybody they're getting a shot. People putting little signs up. It just irritates me. I got vaccinated. Okay, who gives a shit? <laughs> if you want to get vaccinated, go get vaccinated. If you believe you got all the information and stuff you need, okay, if you want to wait, that's your business. If You know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I'm not here to encourage you one way or another, but I'm just telling you this is what people are saying out in these streets. If you don't get one, you know, Johnson & Johnson. Somebody said Johnson & Johnson couldn't even make a baby powder right. You know what? I didn't say it. Somebody on the Internet <laughs> But they said the latest player reveals to test positive this week is Galbert Torres, MLB revealed. The Yankees can today confirm that INF Galbert Torres has received a positive COVID-19 diagnosis. He was fully vaccinated and previously had COVID-19 during the most recent baseball uh, season, okay? Torres is asymptomatic, Yankees manager Aaron Boone said in a press conference Thursday, Okay. The MLB player is the eighth Yankee player, coach, or traveling staff member to a test positive this week. All of the positives are breakthrough positives occurring with individuals who are fully vaccinated. Okay, here's my thing, and this is what I say, because I often say about vaccinations, for me, it's, it's a thing about waiting, because I think that sometimes that things get better as they move along and they start to find out more information about what works better, why it works better. Uh, you know, uh, and you, you start to find out about people who are naturally immune because I feel like if you're giving everybody shots and you're not asking any questions, what if there's someone who has a natural immunity? You know what I'm saying? Or, or has, I mean, how does that affect them or whatever? Or people who've had it before and stuff like that? To me, they haven't been very clear on the answers to that. And those are things I think that come with time, even though they've been working on vaccinations like these for years, okay, they usually do. Still, to me, the first batch out is never, you know, it always takes time for a vaccine to grow and to come into its own. That's just my personal opinion, okay? But y'all do what y'all want out in these streets and get y'all I am legend, okay? <laughs> I'm just fucking with y'all. I be messing with people all the time. <laughs> My friend always used to tell me, you should quit messing with people. <laughs> oh, so mess up in these streets. I'm such, I'm so messy. Okay, they tell, the CDC told y'all y'all could diss these and ditch the mask out here, and y'all get mad. I'm not going to keep my mask. I'm wearing my mask for another two years. I'm a man. man. How, what the Do y'all either, do you believe the CDC or do you not? That's what I just want to ask. I ain't going to even read the article. You most have been believing everything Fauci 
They've been the most inconsistent motherfucking bunch I've ever seen. The CBC and Fachi, but y'all been believing everything they've been telling y'all up till now. And now they tell you you can ditch the mask if you fully vaccinated. And y'all are like, I ain't, I ain't taking off my mask. I'm like, what? I thought y'all believed them. Make up your damn mind. See what fear does? Makes people irrational. I wouldn't have never put on a mask myself, but I digress. That's a whole other story. They had to mandate it for my ass to wear one. Let me just tell you the truth. I like the fresh air. Do what you feel, people. If you feel safer in a mask, <laughs> where would you need to? Come on, this is, this is going to be going on for some years. How scary ass is, is going to be out here? The CDC is like, fuck it. We don't even know what's going on. We just, Y'all scared. Y'all didn't question about nothing else, but now y'all want to question. This is unbelievable. Humans are unbelievable. That's all I got to say. Y'all are unbelievable. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We are heading to break. Oh, Lord. I've said too much. <laughs> when we get back, we're going to talk about the U.S. Navy seeing it UFOs. Ellen believes her the attacks on her show were coordinated, Okay. We got to talk about uh, uh, Joe Button, okay, and all that's going on with his show, okay. And uh, what else? Cool J to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about that. Uh, yeah, Felicia Rashad, all of that. When I get back from the break, meanwhile, what do I want y'all to listen to? Hell, I don't know. Let's listen to a groove theory. I always love this one. Tell me. It's the CC show. I'll be back in a moment, y'all. <laughs>
will never find the one who will know how to love me. Boy, this is something. To hear your voice now, it makes me want to call and replay. The way you talk, yeah. Boy, you speak in my language. I hear you saying. Yahoo.com. 
Mm. They're saying Ellen DeGeneres has given her first TV interview since announcing her talk show will end in 2022. Ellen DeGeneres show host 63 told today Savannah Guthrie that the toxic workplace allegations and rating slides were not factors in her decision, noting that if she was still having fun, I would do this show with nobody watching. However, she admits the personal attack hit hard and said she felt orchestrated and coordinated and said they felt orchestrated and coordinated. They also felt very misogynistic. The interview took place after DeGeneres recorded her emotional monologue announcing the news on her show, which airs Thursday. Speaking to her viewers, she broke down in tears saying the past 18 years have changed my life. You changed my, changed my life, and I am forever grateful to all of you for watching, okay, for laughing, for dancing, sometimes crying. This show has been the greatest experience of my life. I, uh, I owe it out to you. Let me see if we got this uh, up here where she talks about uh, where she talks about the court, it being a coordinated event. I don't know if we have that. You just have her saying goodbye. No, we don't want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, DeGeneres said she had no idea her employees had allegedly been subjected to racism, sexual harassment, intimidation behind the scenes until she read about it in the news. She pointed out uh, there are 225 show employees in a lot of different buildings. However, it is my name on the show, so clearly it affects me, and I have to be the one to stand up and say this can't be tolerated. But I do wish somebody would have come to me and said, hey, something's going on that you should know about. Uh, three producers were fired mid of the allegations. Listen, I don't believe that you don't hear the what maybe in Hollywood, okay? Because let me just say this. In Hollywood, one of the things I found out, you know, just going to shows, like when you go to those, um, like I've been to some shows and set in in Hollywood during the, you know, when they had the little stuff. I went to Arsenio Hall, so different stuff like that. And here's the thing. I, I find that they probably don't know that, I mean, the whole, that whole vibration is kind of rude to me. I mean, like that, to me, they're not very, uh, Hollywood, let me just find this. They think so many people want to be in those type of audiences like Ellen and stuff like that. And what I mean by Hollywood is not the city, but the system, okay? That you have people, they, they don't, they don't have, uh, an employee-oriented thing or a customer-oriented thing. And, and, you know, Ellen, she didn't know that is her fault because you do have to keep up. You have to be all around. Your, when you got a talk show, I know you're busy and stuff like that, but you have to take time to go down and talk to people and pay attention to people, uh, to, uh, you know, to be around and see how it uh, has a person who worked where I was a manager before and stuff like that, a supervisor. I know you have to be around so your employees can see you talking to them, being open with them in dialogue so you can know what the fuck is going on because otherwise you will not know shit that is going on. Okay. So, uh, you know, for her that, you know, I know that Hollywood thing can be a bubble, but you do have to be out there moving around. And I, sometimes I think in those type of talk shows and environments and that Hollywood environment, sometimes you don't know a lot of things that are happening because they they feel like the Hollywood game feels like, just be glad you're here. You know, every it's too many people that want your position. You know, everybody's thirsty to be associated with fame. Okay? 
So, uh, you know, like, so a lot of times you get, you get a, a lot of rude stuff happening to people, employees, and everything, because you don't keep in mind that this is, uh, this, that you are providing kind of like, even though you're an entertainer, it's a service. Right. And so a lot of times entertainers don't think of what they give as service and having customer service. Right. <laughs> because you do. Fans are a customer base. So you have to have a customer service. So you have to pay attention to what those around you are doing. And a lot of times in Hollywood, they don't feel that's important because so many people want to be associated with famous people that, you know, they people can be rude and they not even know it. But I, I don't like rude motherfuckers around me, okay, and being rude to people and stuff like that because you affect me, okay? So a lot of – but a lot of celebrities are so caught up in their bubble that sometimes they don't see – they don't have the, the that peripheral vision to look and point on around them, okay? A lot of times what's around them is dictating them. So uh, I think that's probably what happened to Ellen. Now, the only talk shows that I have ever heard where it's been great is Oprah Winfrey. Let me just talk about that Aquarius. Can I talk about her for a minute? I keep talking. I don't talk nice about Oprah for the last couple of weeks. Because that Aquarius, because, you know, Aquarius is a sign of, 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 you know, they love their philanthropists, okay? And Oprah was a fucking philanthropist, okay? She she made sure. I used to hear good things about people who even went to the Oprah Winfrey show. People be like, oh, it was so great. I mean, they they understood the Oprah Winfrey show understood customer service. She fucking understood. <laughs> Oprah, y'all gotta learn from Oprah. Now that's where Oprah was for. Oprah, Oprah was a force. Okay, so you talking about like you know she understood customer service, but she also in, it, it understood her employees being happy. I mean, you used to hear about Oprah doing all kind of great shit for her employees. They said she hardly ever had turnover because she's buying, Oprah's buying their asses watches, diamond watch, buying them trips to Hawaii and shit like that. It was like one big family. Oprah was fun. So they, in turn, treated the people when they came in great because Oprah treated them great. And probably wouldn't put up with anything less. I mean, that was the rumors. Every I never heard bad stuff about Oprah, the Oprah Winfrey show. As a matter of fact, people used to try. They said people was trying to get jobs at the Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> okay, so you know, and I feel like Oprah felt that was her responsibility, and that's part of that Aquarian nature, probably. You know, she probably felt she she talking spirituality, she talking all this stuff, so she wants to have that have a show that is very inclusive of who she is, right? And so I really say that, you know, that that you people should be paying attention to her as a, 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 a kind of a, a guide to how you treat your employees and how you treat your people. And I think Oprah was probably very hands-on with those people, you know, very much. If she was in Chicago, she wasn't. She was kind of out of the way of that entertainment field, even though still very much Hollywood. She still had this camaraderie going on within that in, within that group and within her her uh, talk show. So I think that was pretty. I I, I have to give her, uh, um, uh, you know, you have to give her some a, a lot a lot of love for that. Uh, a lot of uh, entertainers don't know how to do that. You know, a lot of entertainers are spoiled. <laughs> Not all of y'all, not all of y'all, okay? I'm not saying all of you. But a lot of them. The environment creates 
spoiled narcissistic beings, okay? And uh, they don't have a fucking clue about what's going on around them. They need attention so fucking much that they, <laughs> I mean, they crave attention so much that they don't have a clue as to uh, the operations going on around them, who's around them, how their managers treating the other employees or the assistants treating people. They don't have no clue. So not understanding sometimes that they have a brand. And that you have to be very careful that everybody understands who works for you, understands your brand and what you are, right? So including, you know, guards, everything, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm not surprised, though, that she she feels like it was coordinated. I do, too. I think it was coordinated to get her off. But I also feel that that was partly Ellen's fault because Ellen probably was not watching what goes on. Even I was hearing stuff about Ellen's show before it was even hitting the news. Okay. She probably should have been aware of, okay? Felicia Rashad named Dean of Howard University's uh, Fine Arts College. I love this. Congratulations, Felicia Rashad. Listen, this is not somebody who they just named Dean. Okay, like like they named Felicia Rashad been doing the fucking work. Okay, she's been involved with this with, with that fine arts department forever. She graduated from Howard. She was very she's been very there for that that her her alma mater. Okay, but this is according to Verity dot com. It says Tony winning and Emmy nominated actor Felicia Rashad has been appointed dean of Howard University's newly reestablished College of Fine Arts. Howard University conducted a nationwide search before appointing Rashad and alma of the school. She will begin her new role on July the 1st and will report to Provost uh, Anthony K. Guta. Okay. It's an honor to welcome Howard's acclaimed daughters back home to her alma mater, Guta said in a statement. In this full circle moment, Ms. Felicia Rashad will take the training and skills that she honed as a student at Howard and exuded in an outstanding performance career as she will share those pearls of wisdom with the next generation of students in the College of Fine Arts. Her passion for the arts and student success makes her a perfect fit for this role. Yes, it does. And you know what? She is experienced in the field of entertainment and acting, which is that's the real grit. She's not just the dean, you know, there, but she knows what it takes to make it in that world. I love the choice, Howard. Clap, 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 clap. I love it. Very good choice. And they'll probably get a lot of young people there who are wanting to study uh, 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 creative arts. And that's really good. Okay. That is really good. Felicia Rashad is a dope ass pick. Okay. Love that. Joe Button. Fire's co host. That was a trip. That's it. You know what? Joe's a trip. Joe's a trip. Joe Buttonfire is a podcast co-host Rory Farrell and Jamil Ma Clay. Future of the show is uncertain. No, the future of the show is very certain. That Virgo is going to keep the fuck going, okay? Let me tell you, Joe Button is a Virgo. He acts like it. <laughs> but it says, podcaster Joe Button has fired his, this is from so he has fired his co-hosts and friends, Rory Farrell and Jamal Mall Clay, according to his social media posts and audio leaked online. The former rapper and love and hip-hop star made the dynamics of the show's main talkers a focus of recent episodes, as noted by a recent uh, Verity article expounding on the late April pod turned therapy session titled Shaking the Tree. 
In episode 437 of the popular Joe Budden podcast, which counts nearly 1 million subscribers on YouTube and also be heard on Apple and other audio platforms, um, is heard loudly berating Roy and Miles, as co-hosts of the six-year pod are known. Y'all will not continue to treat me this way. Y'all not going to continue to treat these people this way. Y'all take uh, that fucking dark energy, that arrogance and entitlement somewhere else. I say all of that to say we're going to do this since Rory feels like so many ops. He has so many options. Somehow he still feels like he's running the show. He continues. He still feels like he has a choice. He has choices and options. He feels like he's entitled to more. Rory, you are in breach of your contract. And from this point forward, or you are fired. And you are not welcome back. Mom, I'm the person that has to say that. The gall of you to think you are deserving the way I am. He later repeated those words in social media posts, along with those sudden firings and more pressing question arises. Did Button just quit his own podcast? Several tweets in the wake of the news suggest uh, as much. You know, he hasn't. He's talked about it. The Joe Button uh, podcast is beloved for tackling sensitive subjects within the black community and getting into the leads of hip-hop and stuff like that. Listen, uh, uh, they say though the specific business issues between Button and his co-hosts were never aired on the podcast, social media suggests that equity and pay were the main issues for Roy and Ma, as each believed he was an equal contributor to the success of JBP. You know, a lot of people on social media talk a lot of shit, you know. <laughs> That's really true, but a lot of people, I will, I'm going to agree with Joe Button on this. It's just like Spinderella. And that's why I told Salt and Pe- I said Salt and Pepper to get out there and get in front of Spinderella because now Spinderella has created a narrative for herself where everybody's feeling sorry for her because people love to feel sorry for the underdog. That's just a natural thing. I like to feel for the underdog, okay? But I also understand the business of a thing. And I also understand when roles are created and, 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 and you know, and a creator's, um, how a creator approaches their, um, you know, their work, their situation. And Joe Budden is the creator of that, um, of that pocket. I mean, he, he's, he's the guy who is, who is, his name is on the show. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as much as I like Rory and Mal, and I think they're very big uh, contributors to the show, Joe is apparently the star. He's the controversial one and stuff like that. But at, and his name is on the show when he does the business behind the show, okay? And I listened to Joe this week talk more about it. And one of the things he said, and this, and this is what I said, I said, those guys failed to realize that they were employees. Joe Button gave you an opportunity to become a voice. He gave you an opportunity to get out there and to speak your mind or to talk about subjects and everything, okay? Now, it is up to you. This is this is why I'm talking about Cinderella, okay? I know we all like to say, well, dang, they should get paid. Well, he get paid. They co-host. They are co-hosts, but they're not, they're, doing, they're not behind the scenes making decisions. They don't probably put as much money into the show as Joe does. It's probably a whole lot of things that go on there as a creator that you don't understand, okay? And so when you come and ask a creator to show you books and stuff, it's like, what? You know what I'm saying? But anyway, 
here's the thing. This is important. This is for you, anybody, anybody who's going to join something that has a name to it or already has something going on and stuff like this. Always understand the importance of understanding your role in it. Always understand that, okay? Always understand it. And if you want a bigger role, what you need to do is make yourself uh, uh, where they they can't do without you. One of these... There was this white lady at my job years ago. I, to this day, one of my she's died. She's just died. She died a few years ago. She's one of my favorite people. Well, she was one of my favorite people on earth. Her name was Virginia. And Virginia, when I first came to work at Hallmark, I mean, I hated Virginia. I was like, what is wrong with this white lady? And, you know, she had a little sometimes racial undertones and stuff. She's an older white lady. She say shit. I'd be like, oh, fuck, you know, whatever, you know. But I was very, my grandparents taught me to be very polite and handle things in a certain type of way and everything like that. I handled her readily. I started realizing what Virginia liked. Virginia loved people to listen to her stories, right? She was a socialite back in her day. She had two lawyer sons. <laughs> I mean, she was well to do. She was just working for fun, okay? But, but Virginia, Virginia to that office in Hallmark was, they couldn't get rid of her ass. You know why? Because Virginia knew the fuck about everything, everyone. She knew that office better than the manager did. Me and Virginia became really close. Virginia was my, I, I love Virginia, right? And Virginia used to like tell me some shit. Like Virginia was the first person to tell me about stocks and bonds and stuff like that. But Virginia also told me, make yourself where they can't get they can't get rid of you. Learn everything. They can't get rid of me because I know everything. <laughs> and when she retired, they had so much problem the first few months, but I was the person who knew everything by right then. <laughs> but they had so many problems because Virginia was, she made herself, where the office could not function without her. Virginia understood her role. She wasn't the manager, but damn it, I'm greater than the manager because my role is indispensable. They can't get the fuck. I know more than the manager. I don't got to be the manager. And I used to see Virginia, if Virginia wanted something done, she wanted to go over the manager's head, I would see Virginia go out the door. Like if the manager said something to her office, Virginia go out the door. I watch her go across the street to the big people over to the office. They love Virginia. They love her for you. And they know Virginia was hell on wheels and all of this stuff, but Virginia was the smartest fuck. Shit. The phone would ring about two minutes later, and that boss back there do whatever the fuck Virginia tells me. Virginia was not the boss, but Virginia was fucking genius. And she used to tell me, always never let, always know your role and make yourself what they can't do without you. Mall, Rory, he gave you the platform. Now, if you wanted to get so where Joe Budden was fucking catering to you, you should have used that platform and made yourself indispensable. Creating, you should have been creators of platforms. You should have been moving 
what you that's what I said Cinderella should have been doing. Cinderella wanted to be up there with salt and pepper, but that wasn't your role. Your role was the DJ. And you came in during a situation where they replaced you, another girl, and gave you the same name. So you knew when you came in the door, you were fucking interchangeable. They could fucking get rid of you at any fucking time they want to. They named you the other girl's name. But Salt and Pepper was nice enough to keep putting you up front. They was nice enough to be, and your head got big because you didn't realize that, damn, I'm really not the group. I'm in the group, but I'm not really in the group to be up front. I'm a support system to the girl. And then she started asking for more and more and more, and they had already given her more. She just didn't fucking realize it. They gave you a fucking platform and Salt and Pepper's DJ. Do you know what the fuck you could have did with that? She should have been at Essence Fest DJ. I mean, she was at Essence Fest, but she should have been out there more. She should have been putting her name out there so to the point that she was just as big as them. That she, they couldn't do without her. People was like, damn, I want to go see Cinderella. But people ain't like that. Salt and Pepper can do a tour tonight without fucking Cinderella. I get you. You mofos are lying out there who will say you wouldn't go see Salt and Pepper without Cinderella. It's a damn lie. You wouldn't. Because Salt and Pepper grab all of the songs. They're the front. And ain't too many people checking for the DJ. Why? Because she wasn't that tight. She didn't put herself out there like that. Same thing with these two guys. He gave you a platform. You could have bounced the fuck off of it and made yourself so indispensable to him that he had to do shit for you that would be like, you know, because he, he wants you back at the table. But they didn't understand it. They didn't understand it. The name on the show was Joe Button. Joe fucking Button Show. And when you realize that, you say you got to realize where you at in the game. This is Joe Button Show. He's giving me an opportunity. Now, how do I take this opportunity and shine? That doesn't mean just showing up every day and just talking. You got to do more. You might need to be out there hosting parties. I don't know what they was doing. I don't know if they was hosting stuff around the city or all kind of shit. Being in, you need to have your name out there so much that it was out there as much as Joe. See, Joe was I noticed this, and I'm just saying what I noticed. Joe had a, uh, and I, I don't know, I can't speak for, but Joe had a show uh, on the, the Cultural War or whatever that was. He had that on, uh, uh, what is that, on 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 on, on Diddy's The Revolt, and he had a whole other crew on there. He had, which I liked him a lot. He had Remy Ma. He had, uh, what's the other girl, Ebony. I didn't like Ebony as much. But he had, and he had uh, that other guy. I forget that guy. They were great together. Joe was over there creating more content. Then he had another, I think, something else going on. He like, had three or four. Joe, even though his name was on the Joe Button Show, he wasn't stopping there. He was creating content, content everywhere and even creating another group. Like today, the fact, the, the fact that them two gone, Joe could call probably up Remy Ma and that other dude and bring them to the show and get just as big as a, a big, probably a bigger audience. He know that too. That's why he's talking big shit. 
and this is what I say the lesson for the Joe button for that is the lesson of all of that is and that's a lesson for all of us out here to know your fucking role to know when you're inter, uh, interchangeable like Portia Portia right now Portia 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 understand your fucking role right now your fucking role is if you're trying to get that bag get the bag and get it quickly but understand this motherfucker like a lot of women <laughs> He already allegedly out here, allegedly out here cheating already. <laughs> a girl was a, a girl within the first month of your relationship is already on Tasha K interviewing with Tasha K talking about how a motherfucker's already been cheating. Okay, understand yoga. And so this is what I will say people who are employees right now. Understand your role and understand, look to see where. And this is what this, I'm telling y'all because these, these are things I've learned in life, okay, learned in life. And I tried to learn, you know, where I messed up and sometimes didn't understand my role. I've done that a lot, right, because I'm a natural alpha chick. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes I'm... I'm ready to row, 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 but sometimes you don't, you don't, you don't look at that. Sometimes you have to look. What am I here to do? What is my role exactly? Okay, and how I, you know, and how can I make that role more efficient to where they can't do without me? Rory and Mal did not make that situation happen for themselves. And they were too busy trying to find out the books. The books are not so concerned. That's Joe Budden's concern. Your concern at this point is, hey, even Spotify, I would say, wasn't your concern. Even if he, but you listen, where I think Joe makes a mistake is just assuming. See, you have to be, I do believe you have to be kind to your employees and that you do have to give them more information than necessary because you want people and give them more room to grow and breathe and everything like that. That's how you keep them and you keep them loyal and keep them working for you. So that's how you keep them loyal and you keep them working for you and you keep them doing things for you. However, has employees, you have to also understand when you are interchangeable, when people can get rid of you really fast. And somebody like Joe Button can do that with those two guys. Because there are a lot of other people who would love to probably come on his platform. Now, they got chemistry. That's one thing Joe got to look at. Chemistry is everything. But he's already proven that he can get chemistry with other people because had, he had a show with Remy Ma, Ebony, and that other guy, the culture thing. All you got to do is bring that right on over to a radio if he really wants to. And probably do even better. So that's what you got to look at. You got to look at shit like that when before you start talking shit to the big dog and everything like that. You got to make sure that you put yourself in a position that you are indispensable, that you cannot be getting rid of, gotten rid of. That if they get rid of you, it's going to rock some shit. Like, the Breakfast Club is very evenly uh, thought of. It's named the Breakfast Club. It's very, very evenly done. And you see DJ Envy and Angela doing other things outside of the Breakfast Club, which is real good. You see them kind of branding themselves outside of it because because everybody knows that that fucking Charlemagne is the one, okay? No offense to them. They understand that, too. 
Charlemagne's allowed. And Charlemagne has done an excellent job at branding himself all over the fucking place. He has made himself in what well, he didn't with Wendy. Wendy was Wendy is able Wendy was able to go on without Charlemagne because Wendy's a force within herself. But I believe I believe Charlemagne learned from that situation. And when he came into this next situation, he made himself himself where he, he you can't it's, it's gonna be hard to get rid of Charlemagne, even though his name ain't on the show. He's made so many other platforms for himself, and I feel like DJ Envy and Angela Rockstar, Angela what's her name, Angela whatever, start paying a, paying attention to what he was doing and started doing the same thing. Smart. You have to build your own brand. If you don't build your own fucking brand, that's Joe Budden's brand you working on. But Joe Budden is giving you the opportunity from his brand to build your brand. And if you don't use that opportunity in the way, in that in quickly and fastly, you can lose out. So that's what you got to learn in your jobs and everything. Like, sometimes you got to understand your role and what is available to you at this point. Like, lady. I'll talk to the ladies right here. Ladies, if you out here and you with somebody or whatever, you know what I'm saying, and you need to find out, you know, what does he bring to the table for me and what do I bring to the table for him? What is this, what will my role be? Like, I was looking at, let's, let's go back to Ray McGuire, okay? I was looking at Crystal McCrary. I said, she knows this. She knows her fucking role. Oh, she's a socialite. She she looks like a politician's wife. Ooh, I love it. <laughs> well, she understands her fucking role, right? And she builds off of that. She's bouncing from all of that. So I love it. So you got to see what's available to you. When you are with certain people or in certain people's company and shit like that, you got to look at the landscape. And I'm not saying be no crime. I don't like people who just look and see what's available to them. They just constantly trying to social climb. Like it don't have no meaning. Like they're just trying to know somebody to know somebody and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about understanding what space is available for you. Meaning that when you are, if somebody gives you an opportunity tonight to come onto their uh, platform to, to do a podcast or something like that. How can you use that to your advantage? Wow, can I use this podcast or audition for uh, another thing? Can I use this to do something else? Or can I, and how does my, what does my contract say? Can I use this? Can I, am I available to host parties? Am I available? How, because I not only up the person's brand of the show that I'm on, but I up my own brand and I make myself, you know, you've got to see what your, uh, even like I've often talked about this on this show when you are like I talked about Lala when Lala was saying she she never took a job she didn't like it. I said yeah well you was married to uh, what's the boy's name you married to my uh, uh what's that man's name the basketball player now you ain't got to take a job you didn't <laughs> but that's her advantage one of her great advantages is being married to Carmelo Anthony that's a fucking advantage. Who else uses that advantage? Uh, uh, who's married to somebody? Uh, the girl I used to see her on a little different stuff too. Uh, the one who's married to Matthew McConaughey. Her little ass been out on different things. I seen her on some talk shows and stuff like that. She's fucking married to Matthew McConaughey. She's taking advantage of that shit. Okay, so I'm. So here's the thing. 
you, you may not be married to somebody famous. Maybe it's a little thing that somebody, maybe you're a single mother and, I, and you get four hours a week from your mama to watch your kids while you go to school. That's an advantage. Or maybe you're an actor, right? And you don't live in the Midwest or the, or the South or, no, or Atlanta or any place like that. But your, ha- your ass happens to live near Broadway in uh, New York. That's an advantage. Work it. You got to see how to work these advantages. You can't talk shit to somebody like Joe Button and you ain't use your advantage on his platform. He's going to run you right out of town and re- quickly replace you. Cause he already was, he already was on that smoke. He was already on a show, a whole nother show on TV with a whole nother crew that he had chemistry with. He got chemistry with Remy Ma. He got chemistry with that uh, boy, that guy. He could bring them right onto the platform of the Joe Budden show. They all were, they were great together. He 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 was already testing the waters. See, he probably already read them early because he said they was asking. They had already started. There was complaints coming out early. So I, I take this a little differently than for most of social media because I understand people love to go for the underdog, but I also understand the business of things. And I also understand that when you come into a situation like the Joe Button show, it is not your show. And that you have to understand, even if you friends and shit, Friendship gets put to the back. I remember I heard the dude, one of the dudes was saying, it ain't never been about money for me. It ain't never been about a bag. I said, that's why you're in the position where you're at now, because it was never about money for you. You mistake the, the business for, you mistake the friendship as a part of the business. There is no friends when it comes to business. I mean, you got business, everything, contracts need to be signed. There needs to be understanding all kinds of stuff. I'm like, I, I ain't care about no bags. Oh, <laughs> well, that's probably why you're in the situation you're in because you weren't caring about such things. So shout out to Joe Budden. I think that he's going to continue to go on. I think he's built up his platform enough, and I think he's been testing the water with people like Remy Ma and stuff like that when he had him on the show, that culture for the culture show. I don't know what the contract is with Revolt, but he could very much swing that over into, uh, uh, if he probably, if he could, over to the Joe Budden show. I'm not quite sure how that contract works with Revolt with the, for, a, for the culture or whatever they got. But he was already rebranding himself out here. They should have took notes. Like Charlemagne and, and, and like DJ Envy and Angela Yeezy. <laughs> damn, when that damn, uh, shout out to, uh, what's his name? Dane Dash. The Dane came and lit fires under everybody's ass. But she, they was talking shit. When he came up in there talking, they was in the dark. <laughs> okay, and I think there was an, uh, they were, they were, it, they were upset about Spotify. But again, Spotify was Joe's decision. It was not your decision. Now, you could have had leverage on that had you been making your brand huge. That's what, to me, Spinderella's problem was. Spinderella never made her leverage. Spinderella did not make her leverage huge enough. Yes, she was a part of the group, but not one, not so much. Like Salt and Pepper, their leverage is heavy. 
you can't do pepper. It's hard for pepper to do something without salt because they're the front. They rap, I'll take your man. They do all that. They do. They interchange. You got that rap. They rap. One person without the other is not any good. It's sort of like Destiny's Child. Like Kelly and Michelle have been able to benefit from Destiny's Child. I know they can't wait till that fucking Destiny's Child tour come back together. But anybody who read the writing on the wall to see that Beyonce can bounce at any fucking time. <laughs> so I better get my shit together. I better bounce off it. So what was Kelly doing? She was doing songs with Nelly and different stuff. She tried to get her ass out there. What Michelle do? Run her ass over in the gospel. Saying that when Jesus saves you, yes, nobody can save you. <laughs> <laughs> what was that other song she had out? That first one, that first album. Ran her ass over in the guy. She saw the writing in the wall, on the wall. We need to bounce off of this Destiny Child thing because we don't know when Beyonce's ass may take off. So they branded themselves in a way. What's Michelle out here doing now? Writing books on here and saying, oh, when's Destiny Child coming back again? I, I want to know from Matthew what the books are. See, that's what happened to them. That's what happened to Latoya Luckett and the other chick. Oh, that's really tough. Latoya Luckett and the other girl. I can't forget her name. I can't forget her name. But that's what happened to them, even though I feel like they were right. But they didn't understand their role. And that's why they had a struggle for a little while. Because what they didn't understand was this was Matthew Knowles' fucking vehicle for his daughter, Beyonce Knowles. And you bitches are along for the ride. <laughs> they didn't understand. Oh, but Matthew let them know. This train rides with or without you. Without you. We want to see our contracts. See, Beyonce needed them at the beginning. So they should have been asking for that shit early on. After the writing's on the wall, mm, you can do without you, bitches. Listen, you can ask Fair. Fair didn't even understand it. Fair, what's all the girls? What's her name? Fair that was in there for a day and a half. <laughs> Real Fair, you don't even remember. <laughs> she was like a Destiny Child member for like a day and a half. I mean, she didn't get it. This was an opportunity, bitch. Use it. Jump off of it. Yes, Matthew's a whole ass, but use it. Oh, they just, she was saying stuff like, they were trying to make me darker than Beyonce. I don't give a shit. You use that moment to bounce your shit. See, Michelle understood the fucking game. Michelle understood. This is a bitch. I ain't getting out of this. I know they might want Beyonce to be the best one in the school. I don't give a shit. This is my moment. <laughs> I'm going to ride this train. And I'm going to make it fun. And what what has happened? They are part of this group. They are they are the group now. They are the imaging of the group. They get it. They didn't ask Matthew no damn questions. Kelly didn't ask no damn questions. Kelly's like, shit, I'm trying to ride. 
I'm trying to ride it out. She didn't rebel with Latoya. Latoya had to fight her way the fuck back. Out the other chick ain't even came back. But Latoya had to, Latoya had to scratch and crawl and everything because it was a. It, even though I understood their position, they just weren't in position to do it. They chose the wrong time and they didn't use it as a vehicle to bounce their own shit out. And it took them forever to get, it took Latoya a long time to get her ass back, okay? She had to come through acting, through curving around. <laughs> That's why you got to understand your position. Oh, Lord. Joe Button. This is a sad situation here. But Joe Button will go on. And perhaps Maul and Glory will get a show, Okay. Maybe with after after the year of their contract, <laughs> because I think he's got them in a contract for like a year or so. Like they can't do any other shows or anything. <laughs> That's why you gotta know your role, people. It's so important. I mean, damn, it's sad because I like them together. So I kind of hate it for them, you know. It really is sad though. But I'm suppose I suppose that we'll hear more about this situation as it goes on, as the days goes on and stuff like that. We'll hear more about what really went down with them. But Joe made it very clear and I understood it. When I actually understood it when I first heard it. I said, Oh, okay. I get I, I get it because his name is on the show and I knew, you know, people want to feel a certain way because most people are in the position of Maury I mean, of, of Rory and the other guy. You're they're in most people. And Mile, you're in those positions in your jobs and stuff like that. So you can, you can, uh, you have a sense of camaraderie with them. You can understand it being, you know, the person not being paid what you're worth or what you think you should be worth. But actually, you know, your worth may not be as big as you think. That's in all forms of life, my people. Your worth may not be what you think it is. If you're just coming in and talking on the show, or if you're just coming in and doing this, and you're not doing the work behind it, or you're not doing your using it, the platform to bounce, your worth may not be, and that's just life. And so we wonder sometimes, sometimes the wealthier get wealthier because they just had it passed to them or give it to them or give it to them, giving it to them. But sometimes the wealth, the, 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 the wealthy is smart as fuck. They playing chess out here in these streets, okay? So listen, that's a, it's a word for today. Understanding your role and branding yourself accordingly, okay? And using whatever situation you can to the best of your ability. Whatever situation you have, use it. Trust me, I'm telling y'all. This is I'm you just coming from somebody who didn't use things when she should have. Okay, so definitely, okay, use the situations you're in. Find out where your uh, your uh, where your where your favor is in it, and use it. Okay, now let's talk about LL Cool J, Tina Turner being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Shout out is I think LL's been nominated like six times. Listen, LL so deserving. 
I am so happy for him. You know, listen, LL was the rapper of the rappers. He's the first rapper that it was called the GOAT. So I feel like that belongs to him. Uh, LL, had, he he was Def Jam along with Run DMC in the day. Uh, you know, I think he's one of the first few artists uh, signed to Def Jam. The, and the, this is according to the GRIO. It says the GRIO previously re, uh, reported the official list of nominees in the class of 2021. Back at the Rejoice, they learned iconic black artists like Jay-Z, Tina Turner, Mary J. Blige, Shaka Khan, LLQJ, and D.I. Warwick were among the nominees. Now that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has officially made an announcement, they are saying that the 2021 group is the most diverse list of inductees in history of the organization. Tina Turner, Jay-Z, Cheryl King, and more are going into under performer category, but it doesn't stop there. The Musical Excellence Awards includes rapper LL Cool J, singer-songwriter Billy Preston, who was known for backing acts like Little Richard, Sam Cooke, The Beatles, and more, and uh, for his solo hits. And Joe Crocker uh, is, is going in, okay? Uh, poet, novelist, and singer-songwriter Jill Scott Heron is also uh, going in, okay? Okay. Uh, in a post homage 2021, uh, and Jay Z. Let me just say this: I don't think Jay Z has. This is this is what I'm talking about about buying our way into shit. So this is my personal opinion. I ain't saying he bought his way. I am saying it, but it's my opinion. Okay, alleged my opinion. Buying your way into shit before it's time. Beyonce's motherfucking ass ain't even been inducted into the Hall Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What the fuck are you doing it? I mean, this is this is bullshit. And I almost feel like it's to usurp LL Cool J. That's why I don't like it. I don't like it. That's what I don't like about Jay Z. I know he's a he's a smooth. He got smooth business people behind him. <clears throat> However, I just don't like it. I just don't. I'm like give like you know yo. This is don't even put my name in a hat. This is this is LL's time. Let LL have this moment. You know, has the only rapper in that this situation. But this motherfucker. Got to come up and put his ass in there, even before his wife. You know that's unbelievable, right? Shit, I feel what I feel. Okay, I don't like it. Okay, and that role could have been that should have been given to somebody like Shaka Khan. The fuck, Shaka Khan could have been there. Shaka Khan's ass needs to be going in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before Jay Z's ass. Jay Z, you Jay Z, maybe about ten more years down the line, I can see you do get there. But people like LL who been out here done did it six times. LL been out here since the fucking 1980, 81. What is Jay Z's ass doing this? I'm just not understanding. I mean, this is uh, this is the kind of thing. This is the this is the kind of shit that follows. This is why people are scared to say stuff about them because it's a lot of power behind them, and they not the fucking power. I get that, but. I, I just I hate shit like that. I just and you it's so obvious. You can so fucking see it. It's like what the fuck can you just sit down like say fuck that? Nah, y'all don't nominate me this year. I can I can get in another time. I don't want the nomination. This is LL's mama. Get that to another Shaka's coming in. All this stuff. I'm a young guy. Well, he's not young, but shit, I'm I'm young to the game compared to that dude. I'm young to the game compared. My wife ain't even came up in there yet. And, this, and, and, and she more of a, a, a icon than my.
I'm a big so-called businessman and everything else, so I can wait. But I want this to be all about LL. Nah, this motherfucker couldn't wait. This could, you couldn't wait. I feel like that. I feel like I heard Choke No Joke so to say this other day, and I agree with you, Choke, that this was strategic. Because remember when De- when LL was at Def Jam, LL was complaining about uh, Jay-Z's ass, about how Jay-Z was talking about he retired, but he wasn't promoting other artists and shit like that. I remember some records was going on like that. This month, he he. I believe that that sad. He's a dark sad to Terry Diss and shit. I, <laughs> fuck I'm not. I'm not mad, but I just feel like LL. All the smoke for LL being sifted out by Jay Z's punk ass being in there. Jay Z should not be in there right now. I'm sorry. I do. He believe he should be in there one day, but not now. Like, before she, you took Shaka spot. Motherfucker. Yeah. I what I you don't like the Carters there, you do you? No, I like the Carters. I don't like the behavior. Because you're, here, listen, you, you and your wife obviously have done so many great things musically. Why the fuck do you got to be so insecure? Why the fuck is so much insecure energy following you motherfuckers? I mean, why the fuck it seems like you motherfuckers are always trying to bump somebody out and be a headline? It's just fucking crazy. It's like, sit your motherfucking ass down. You already forced your way into a lot of shit. Sit down one for one time. Like, have some decency. Like, fuck, like, damn, we got enough. Let's just sit down. We don't give a fuck. No, it's because they're so insecure. Oh motherfucking insecure! It's not them. It's their their whole brand is insecure. I'm not talking about them as people. The motherfucking brands of Jay Z and Beyonce are the most motherfucking insecure brands I've ever seen for people who got it uh, who are at the top. I don't understand it. It's just it's just uh, just uh, uh. okay. I got that off my chest. I'm not talking about them personally. I'm talking about the branding of them. Maybe personally. I don't know. I don't know if it's a personal issue or what, but the shit just is annoying. (sighs) You know, and I'm willing to be wrong. I suppose I don't know everything, right, you know? (laughs) Don't talk about the UFOs. News video taken from USS Omaha shows uh, UFOs flash into ocean off San Diego. Ex-fighter pilot says airmen saw unknown aircraft off Virginia coast every day for years, calling them a worrying security threat ahead of a Pentagon report. Do you remember another Bible sign? Remember they said there'd be strange sightings in the sky in the last days? They've been seeing UFOs for years. UFOs. But I, I'm not gonna. I have a theory about it, but I ain't gonna tell y'all. I don't want y'all to think y'all I'm crazier than what y'all think. <laughs> One day I'm gonna share it with y'all, but not today. It's an interesting article in Daily Mail. Where they're talking about they've been seeing UFOs for fucking years. 
crazy. Check it out. Two, so it's called Two UFOs uh, uh, movie. You're taking from USS Tomaha. I think it's what it's called or something like that. U.S. Navy UFO sightings, and they say pilots said they had been seeing them for years. Oh, and matter, I forgot to say congratulations to Tina Turner, everybody who is inducted into the Hot Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, including Jay Z's dad. Okay, even though I'm upset about it. Okay. <laughs> Not like Carlotta. <laughs> What else was I supposed to talk about? Was I supposed to talk about Jalil White? Oh, my God. We got to go into overdrive. What in the world? Oh, Nelly. Nelly. I got to talk to y'all about Nelly real quick. Okay. Let me talk to y'all while we be live, okay? How about Nelly there, okay? Nelly, you might want to lawyer up. There is a woman claiming that T.I. and Tiny forced her to have sex with Nelly allegedly, in these streets, okay? Now you're like, how the fuck did I get in this? <laughs> According to Marlon Norey, has sexual assault allegations against musicians T.I. and Tiny Harris continually surfaced an unidentified woman amongst the accusers is claiming that back in 2014, the couple forced her to sleep with rapper Nelly. The woman's story traces back to a video posted on Instagram in February that recounted with a company visuals some of the accusations made by those who come forward and alleged that they were sexually abused by the two. If you recall, since January, dozens of women have claimed to experience similar instances of abuse at the hands of the couple, which include uh, being drugged, sex trafficked, or raped. Referring to her only as Jane Doe 4 in the video, the narrator recounted the survivor's alleged story, which claims she was approached by Tiny to be their assistant back in 2005 it noted that she was allegedly never compensated for the work she did for them. And on that on and that on one occasion T.I. stood over her and Tiny stood close by as T.I. forced her to open her mouth and swallow eight ecstasy pieces. It continued throughout the duration of the her time with T.I. and Tiny, her to engage in sexual acts with different women against her will. In 2014, T.I. and Tiny forced her to have sexual intercourse with rapper Nelly against her will. The post caption read, the following allegations are a part of a criminal referral sent to the following agencies. It says California Attorney General's Office, Georgia Attorney General's Office, United States Attorney's Office, the Northern District of Georgia, and Central District of California, and Los Angeles District Attorney's Office. At the time of this video's publishing, Clifford and Tamika Harris have not confirmed or denied the allegations. And we are unaware of any ongoing criminal investigation. If you recall, the couple's lawyer, Steve Saddle, made a statement on their behalf early last month that asked for the accusers to make identities, uh, make their identities publicly known. It read, the Harrisons are still waiting for the accusers to reveal themselves publicly, but to, by continuing to hide behind anonymous allegations, the unnamed accusers effectively rendered themselves not credible and unworthy of belief. Now, that's funny because there's a lot of people who are unidentified in a lot of some of these other cases against other musicians and stuff like that, but I digress. We say let the light shine on their identity so we can go about disproving their uh, accusations, okay? Scariest accusations. Um, listen, T.I. and Tiny 
I don't know if I believe the stories about T.I. and Tiny. I do understand that people get involved with these entertainers and celebrities. Some of them are horrible people and do rapes and all kind of stuff, you know, and everything. But some people are, uh, you know, they just out here be wilding out. And some of these women regret what they've fucking done, and they started talking about it was rape afterwards, you know. But this is T.I. and Tiny, nonetheless, were messy as fuck. And so, unfortunately, they have these situations to deal with. I feel, you know, I, I, you know, and, and and it's unfortunate because they haven't had a lot of criminal, they haven't had any criminal investigations against them, but their reputations are ruined. So, in some ways, I do feel that's bad because when you put an accusation out here like this about them, and you haven't found any criminal uh, things, and they're meanwhile they're dealing with the fallout from their uh, this shit from in in their businesses and their money that's fucked up you know so um it is what it is now uh i'm not saying it didn't happen i don't know but what i am saying is i got an eyebrow up to it was it consensual or not right it's even like the bill cosby case you know um People, a lot of people say Bill Cosby, uh, 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 you know, has said he would he he raped those girls. No, he didn't. Bill Cosby said he gave them drugs consensually. He said it was consensual because back in the seventies, as I tried to tell people, he never admitted to giving them drugs non-consensual. He didn't do that. He said it was consensual because back in the 70s, quaaludes was the shit. They was using quaaludes for sex and all kind of bullshit back in the 70s, okay? Now, he paid women off and shit because he didn't want people out here ruining his reputation. Now, I y'all know how I feel about payoffs on this show, okay? When you have a person who's out here doing rape that you, you call in a rapist in these streets, I believe you need to put their ass in jail to keep them from hurting anybody else or try to get them in criminal court. But if you get to take a payoff, what do I call them on this show? Whole transactions, you have been paid for your services. <clears throat> Desiree Washington took Mike Tyson's ass fully to the jail, okay? She did not pass it up, okay? So yeah, she didn't ask for no money, nothing like that. I respect her story. More than I do, a lot of you bitches come forward with time out of settlement, okay? And I understand rape is a devastating thing and everything is not something that you want people to know, but if you can come forth to get a check, oh, you can come forth to put their ass in there so nobody else will be hurt, okay? Oh, y'all, we have come to the end of the show. If you are listening to the show online, stay on the line. I'm going over into overdrive, and hopefully I will get some more, couple of more stories off if I don't. You guys know I'll have a part two later on during the week, okay? Thank you guys for hanging out with me like you do every week. I enjoy shooting the breeze with y'all. We're going to leave that with music. So, child, buddy, it's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. I will see y'all next week, all right? I'll see y'all during the week, okay? I'm out. If I alarm you, I don't mean to bother you. I just wanna get you to pause and slow your walk so Maybe we can talk and I can try to charm you. Just trying to find out who you are. I don't mean to come off like a telemarketer. I ain't no hood, no crook, no robber. I just want to part of your heart. I can borrow sometimes. And maybe I can call you up. And maybe I can take you out. 
So let's exchange digits and later arrange digits. Either your face or mine. Yeah. This a different type of commitment. Yeah. I'm talking about a true friendship. Yeah. Someone I can depend on and be down no matter what. Let me know if you're with it, girl. Disrespectful on my combo is a little bit too sexual, but damn, it's incredible. Be more flexible, cause the context of this text is special. But wait, let me explain it. A buddy is an equal beneficial arrangement. Yeah, right, yeah, I used to love that damn song. Hey, it's the CC Show. We are in overdrive. Hey, I am uh, trying to get some of the stories out that I was supposed to talk to y'all about during the show. Okay, let me get this one out, okay? This was about that uh, critical race. I wanted to talk about that today. Critical race theory. Um, uh let me see. New York Post talked about it, the critical race theory. A lot of people have been going off about this critical race theory. And, um, you know, I said, it's just got to be something some white liberal came up with. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it to me, okay? But uh, this is according to New York Post. Uh, it says, uh, what critical race theory is really about? Since critical race theory is fast becoming America's new institutional orthodoxy, yet most Americans... Um, uh, have never heard of it, and those who have don't understand it, okay? Uh, they mu- This must change. We need to know what it is so we can uh, know how to fight it. To explain critical race theory, it helps to begin with a brief history of Marxism. Originally, the Marxist left built its political program on the theory of class conflict. Karl Marx believed that the primary characteristic of industrial societies was imbalance of power between capitalists and workers. The solution to that imbalance, according to Marx's revolution, the workers would eventually gain consciousness of their plight, seize the means of production, overthrow the capitalist class, and uh, usher in a new socialist society. During the 20th century, a number of regimes underwent Marxist-style revolutions, and each ended in disaster. Socialist governments in the Soviet Union, China, Cambodia, Cuba, and elsewhere racked up Body count, nearly 100 million people. They are remembered for gulags, show trials, executions, mass starvation, and mass starvation. In practice, Marx's ideas have unleashed man's darkest brutality. Okay, so they're talking about all this about Marx. They said, um, but rather than, they're saying something, and now let me go down here. It says, but rather than abandon their political project, Marxist scholars in the West simply adapted their revolution theory to the social and racial unrest of the 1960s. Abandoning Marx's economic dialectic of capitalists and cultural workers, they substituted race for class and sought to create a revolutionary coalition with a dispossessed base of racial and ethnic categories. Fortunately, these early proponents of revolutionary coalition in the U.S. lost out in the 1960s to the civil rights movement was sought instead instead the fulfillment of American promises of freedom and equality under the law. Americans preferred the idea of improving their country to that of overthrowing it, okay? Martin Luther King's junior's vision. Okay, let me stop right here, okay? Because that is true. I'm not, you know, listen, I believe that society should be made up of a number 
of I think capitalism, even though capitalism is the main ideology, one of the main ideologies in America, we do have a little bit of socialism when you look at the dollar. I think that there should be uh, capitalism should be the main construct because I'm not, I'm not against free markets, but I do believe that there should be sometimes uh, restrictions on free markets, and I also believe that sometimes some socialist socialism mixed with capitalism makes uh, um, can 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 create some great things. Okay, however, okay. I understand that when white liberals, they love to hide up under, they're white supremacists too, some of them, not all of them, but some of them are. They love to hide under race and stuff like that to get these ideals across of Marxists and stuff like that, okay? like, But however, Black America's plight with racism is much different. It's one of the, I agree with them, one of equality, one of civil rights, one of reparations <laughs> and things like that. Uh, it's, it's not black people asking the government to take care of us. It's black people asking the government to give it, give us what is owed to us. And we shouldn't get that mixed up with the idea of critical race theory. And that's what shit like critical race theory wants to indoctrinate the kids. Here's the thing. And then another thing is, I think that stuff like that should be in college where people have the choice to learn about things like that. Now, as far as America's history is concerned, America's always been lackluster in teaching its history, okay? I, while I had great history teachers growing up, I had a lot of um, black American teachers and stuff like that. I also had grandparents who were big on reading and things like that. So I got information. Okay, outside of the classroom and stuff like that. So I understand that all kids don't get that and stuff like that. But here's the thing. It's going to be up to us to educate ourselves on things that the American school system does not want to educate uh, their children on. And when you don't want to discuss race and stuff, I'm not here to beg white people to uh, look at their history and see where the fuck they went wrong. Because they know very well what the fuck. Like, a lot of times I think a lot of white conservatives, not all white conservatives, but a lot of them, be out here gaslighting black people about racism. But there is no racism. It's gaslighting. I don't I don't pay no attention. That's because they know black people are an emotional bunch. They know we're going to respond emotionally and be pissed the fuck off and everything like that. No, okay, uh, whatever. Uh, you have had a 400-year construct. You've been able to get over on us for quite some time. Uh, we need our we need our checks. Run us our checks. This is where we need to have a clear, concise thing with them, and not get into the idea of critical race theory and getting the idea of classrooms and stuff. Ain't nobody begging you to fucking see anything. Okay, you know. As a matter of fact, I say the white white man in America knows more than anybody what the fuck is going on. Okay. They understand history more than any fucking body. They don't need a critical race theory class. It could tell them to be right and to teach our children to do the right thing. Okay? It is up to us as a people. We, we waste our energy on shit like that. That's white liberals trying to get some shit passed so they can fight against white conservatives. We ain't got shit to do with that. We only want, we came for our one thing. We want to make sure that it's e- equality in America, and we want to make sure we get our checks. Show us the money you owe us, okay? Other than that, all this argument about critical race theory, you don't want to learn about that, that's fine by me. You ain't got to learn damn thing, okay? You don't want to teach your kids the dynamics of race. If you want to be under the delusion, which I know you're not, of that there is no racism in America, go quite ahead. You hurt yourself, okay? Because as America begins to crumble, because
because we won't see truth, then you'll understand, okay? But, however, black people can see your own truth, okay? You can see your own truth and start to build a situation where you educate yourself, where you not. Okay, I believe white people who say there's no racism very much know the answer, real answer to that. They're in denial. No, they're not in denial. They just gaslight me. <laughs> and it is what it is. That often happens to the narcissists in society. They, narcissists love to gaslight. Okay, and when you are a group of people, and this is not all white people, but when you are a group of people that have been given privilege and society has been surrounded around you and about you, you may have a narcissistic vibe to you as a group. That doesn't mean all white people. That means some who tend to carry out the ideas of white supremacy and who have power. The world changes. You're going to look like the dinosaur. Oh, whatever. Ain't nobody going to beg them to do the right thing, okay? But black people, you can do the right thing for yourself by educating yourself, by getting clear and concise ideas around politics and the things that you want as a people and coming forth with them, okay? I mean, that's all to it, okay? We ain't got to argue about no critical damn race theory. That's crazy. I, I know, and I know there's some sort of white liberal ideas that came up with to ease some other shit in. They ain't really that concerned about When I start hearing people like Martin Zuckerberg and all them coming, race and race, I'd be like, mm, my eyebrow go up. Because I'm like, you can easily help the race problem. A lot of times these people be hot. They don't really want the, they don't really want no real competition. Some of these liberals are interested in keeping the construct of white supremacy up just as much as a white prejudice conservative. White supremacy has no political ideology. That's where y'all mistaken it. So I had to talk about y'all. Y'all like Carlotta. I need to get that off my chest because, I mean, it's just like, really? Okay, and Tamika Mallory, they're out here in these streets trying to reestablish Tamika Mallory. Oh, Lord. Yes, the reestablishing of Tamika Mallory. Remember, I remember when Tamika Mallory was doing the women's rights movement and stuff. Remember? And then she somehow then leapfrogged over into activism. Mm-hmm. You know, I question activism. Now. So you got to be very careful with activism. Here's the thing, you, and this is what you'll find. Like a lot of these, a lot of these, like everybody heard it from Ray McGuire and stuff like that. You will see a lot of these people who have been in power and stuff start to take talking points from people who, from grassroots movements, like ADOS, or FBA, people like Tyreek Nassie, people like uh, 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 Antonio Moore and Yvette Cardinal, especially when they've done research, or people like, uh, you know, Jason Black was done 7 a.m., different like that. You will start to see uh, the dude TV, TV uh, hip-hop or whatever. You'll start to see people still talking points, <laughs> talking about the racial wealth gap, but they really won't be giving you anything to help the racial wealth gap, right? They'll talk those talking points because the grassroots movements have made racial wealth gap an issue. 
uh, grassroots movements like Yvette Cornell and Adolph, I said, and, 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 and Antonio Moore have made a, even though I don't agree with everything they say, they have really made a real movement of understanding lineage in America and understanding the steps behind African-Americans' problems. Okay, and what is going on with us financially? You got people like Tyrese Nasheed and them who have also made uh, arguments in that the economic uh, people like uh, Jason or uh, or um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Power e- Economics, Poweronomics, uh, uh, or Boyce Watkins. There's so many people out here that are on the fringes that these people take talking points from. Still, they talking points, but look like they're for black empowerment, but they're really ran by corporations and stuff like that. Tamika Mallory has become such a beast. And I, I ain't mad at her. You know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get some cash. Tamika Mallory talks Maya, Micaiah Bryant on Red Table Talks. Now, I'm not saying that she, she doesn't have any worth in this game. I'm just saying that she may have been a little compromised. She may sound a little more like a democratic operative instead of an advocate for black empowerment. Because when you move in these type of circles, you can't sound like an advocate for black empowerment. You have to sound like a democratic operative and not an advocate. Black empowerment comes out of democratic operativism. That's these type of – so then you know that the construct construct is kind of fake, right? But it says she deserves the same care and attention for someone to advocate for her – and her situation, even though she may have had a night, Mallory says in an exclusive clip. This week's episode of Red Table Talk will focus on how black women's invisibility affects their mental health access to reliable health care and even how their lives are valued by others. Jada Pinkett Smith, Willow Smith, and Adrian Banfield Norris, a.k.a. Gammy, will be joined by social justice leader Tamika Mallory. She, I, I don't consider Tamika Mallory that. I, well, she's now calling herself a social justice leader. I think that's better. She needs to, she can't be an advocate anymore. She's doing commercials for Cadillac, okay? She's clearly going to be compromised when the more, listen, the more that you start doing advertisements and stuff, the more we're going to be, if I start doing advertisements, there's there's going to be some compromise here, okay? So I, I've never called myself an advocate. I don't feel like I'm an advocate. I feel like I'm a black person telling y'all the truth on the show as much as I can tell you the truth, as much as the truth I know, okay, which can be ever-changing. But um, uh, who reveals that feeling invisible led to her own struggles with addiction? We were also meet, and so she's got. Uh, and I heard on this show, let me see, she talks a lot about different things. But the thing is, they're rebranding uh, Tamika Mallory right now because she took a big hit by doing a Cadillac commercial, okay, uh, because sis needs to get paid, sis needs her money out in these streets, but under, I hope she understands, and I hope that everybody, I actually think Tamika Mallory has been from the beginning a person that's put in place to uh, subvert sometimes, and, and this is not to diss her, but to subvert voices like Yvette Cornell. I mean, they're never going to invite Yvette to Red Table Talks. They should. You get a great discussion. Uh, but mm-mm. they're never going to invite Tyrese Nasheed to Red Table Talks. They should. Or Dr. Umar. Or Dr. Boyce Watkins. Maybe Dr. Boyce gets more of a chance than anybody. 
or um, or the or the man who wrote Power Economics. I mean, you know, the Breakfast Club ventures out and does it every now and then, but that's because the Breakfast Club has to keep that tight, that black audience there. That very, you know, they have to keep it. So every now and then they'll go out and fish on a limb and get, uh, you know, get some out there people, right? So they so they can, you know, they can stay competitive. So, yeah, I see the rebranding of Tamika Mallory going on. Not surprised there. Okay. <laughs> and, hey, whatever Sis feels like she has to do to speak out, so, you know, at least she's doing it, okay? I mean, you know, she's not going to – she's going to be more for speaking for Democrats, though. But for black advocacy, black advocacy, advocacy should not have any political alliance, in my personal opinion, because if political alliances stop you from doing real work. You might now. That doesn't mean that advocates don't have a certain lean. Like you may be an advocate and have a lean towards conservatism or a lean towards uh, 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 um, uh, uh, a lean towards uh, the uh, the left. However, I don't think you should limit yourself to that. So I believe black advocacy has to has to be able to talk to all parties to get things done. But the problem is with a lot of black advocates and what's happening with the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party is being threatened by the fringes coming out saying, hey, this party isn't doing much to us. So the Democratic Party is, has adopted some very powerful black thought leaders, some, I mean, some black thought leaders, put some, they put their own version of some very powerful black thought leaders on the fringes up on CNN, in MSNBC and all these things to replace those hardcore black thought leaders who are thinking out the box. So they don't want y'all to see them. So they bring out people like Tamika Mallory. They put their own people up. And this is part, these are, these are the, Demo- and it's a lot of times it's people from the Democratic Party. Same thing with the Republican Party. They just don't get as much attention has in the black community has, you know, has the other ones, okay? Um, Interesting. Okay. Uh, orgasm art. <laughs> I saw this article and I was like, what? Um, I actually thought that it was kind of creative, though. Let's talk about this. Let me put it up here. Uh, former Fati, uh, I used to work for Fati. Now I sell my orgasm art on OnlyFans. Okay. While some might reach, and this is according to New York Part, New York Post, it says, while some might reach, uh, let's see. While some might reach for a cigarette in the moments after climaxing, Hannah Sanford prefers a paintbrush. The former scientist has made a lucrative career out of painting abstract visualizations of her own orgasm, often in the nude or in sexy lingerie. I really focus on feeling on the feeling I had in my body and channel it uh, through me out into the canvas. Sanford told the post, "It's a creative release." <laughs> Sanford, who was formerly employed under the leadership of Dr. Anthony Fauci at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, now sells her so-called orgasm orgasm art for $500 a pop. Shit. The work is mostly peddled on Sanford's OnlyFans platform, where subscribers watch Sanford perform sex acts either solo or in tandem with her partner, Jay Lucas. The video packages always include the 44-year-old interpreting her moments of ecstasy and abstract, either in oil or watercolor. 
what she wears or doesn't wear depends on my mood. It'll be either nude or wearing lingerie. I mean, you know, you got a fucking scientist right now out here in these streets painting and having fucking sex on OnlyFans. This is how far we've come. This is the fucking fall. Pepper that sold dozens of, re- of resulting paintings. Her paintings look nice, though. I buy one. Okay, which often uh, future feature style. I mean, it's not really that great, but it's just the whole idea behind it. Like you know, like I don't really think like there's certain artists. I'm not gonna say no names that you you look at they shit and you like what the fuck. But it was it's actually the idea behind it or the what they meant behind it sometimes that makes the painting or artwork so great. And I think this is a a, a brilliant a, a, like kind of weird creative idea and I would buy it from her just because I like the creativity of it so I thought that was pretty dope so uh yeah so I thought that was interesting uh it is uh but you guys check her out on OnlyFans it's Hannah Sanford okay very interesting okay so uh that y'all I think that's it is that my last story I think so Okay, let me see here. Did I that? Uh, I got. I didn't talk to y'all about the black men up here robbing people with the ski mask on. Oh, I didn't talk to y'all. Oh, this is one. This is a, uh, the last of Molly Marl since it's the prison process in prostitution case. And I didn't talk about the dude who the, the R&B thing. I mean, the, the songwriter who got sentenced to killing his girlfriend. But I'm going to let the Molly Marl story be the last I should I wanted to end it on the all thing only fans. That's such a nice note to end it on. Maybe I'll leave it on that. Y'all y'all know I Molly Ma went to jail, okay, for a sentence to prison in Las Vegas for prostitution case. We'll 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 save that for maybe another show. We'll save that one. That was what my story was attached to, y'all. I was gonna tell y'all one of my side remember I told y'all I had a fun sidebar story for y'all? Okay, I'm going to give it to y'all anyway. This is the last story of the day. Y'all going to be like, Carlotta! <laughs> I tell you about the time. I might have been dating a pimp and didn't know it. <laughs> you like, oh, no, Carlotta. No, no, no. It wasn't no hookering out here, okay? Hell with that. <laughs> no, I used to date this guy who was really good looking. I mean, he was gorgeous. He was beautiful. I mean, women liked him. He worked at, he was like this manager of this big, you know, this big clothing thing or whatever. And he, women just was in love with him. They passed by. I mean, they were just, I mean, women were just out there for this dude. Okay, I was going to tell this story with the Molly Ma story, but I'll end it on this because it's just the fuck. I don't know. And I never knew the truth, by the way. This is just a sidebar story. Okay. Women thought he was so fine. Right? He was. He was beautiful. He was extra cool. He was extra good. And so, like, he would always be having these big meetings and stuff. And I didn't know what, like, easy with well-to-do white men. And, you know, I thought to myself, what the fuck? Like, where is he having all these meetings? Whatever stuff, you know, whatever. Never asked. I mean, never just, just, it never occurred. To, and then one of my friends said to me, you know, after we stopped dating, one of my friends said, you know what they were doing, right? I was like, what? You know, they was like, no, nah, they like, you know. They was it was girls. All the girls were consensual, but a lot of girls, a lot of girls was running, you know, prostitute ring from. I was like, what the fuck? Like I never would have known. I never knew that. 
Now, never approached me about none of that. Knew never not to. Knew my whole family, everything. Okay, my family would have whooped his ass. But that, it, but it, but it was interesting. We're very well to do, very put together. To this day, I don't know the truth, but I heard it from a friend. God damn. So there's people that's involved in sex trafficking out in these streets. That you and I still to this day don't know if it's a true story, right? But I did used to know this weird shit going on. <laughs> That's my crazy ass story of the day. That's y'all crazy ass side boy. Now I will go give y'all with the Molly Miles story, but I'll end it with that crazy ass. <laughs> oh, I love this damn show. Y'all like Carlotta, you are a fucking <laughs> And that is the end of the show. That's the end of Overdrive. Thank you guys for hanging out with me like you do every week. Remember, you can hit me up on the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. Hey, and shout out, there's a young man who sent me his information. You sent me a lot of information. You He tours of Africa and stuff like that. I, I am getting to you. If you're listening to this show, I have not forgot about you. I'm getting to you, okay? I want you on the show. We'll talk and we will get to it, okay? Uh, but listen. For those of you, if you want to hit me up, you can hit me up on the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. You can also hit me up on C Chatwood Show and Carlotta72. Those are both my Twitter handles, okay? You can also hit me up on uh, Carly's underscore Galaxy, which is my Instagram page, okay? Thank you guys so much for hanging out. Y'all have a wonderful week. This is Janet's birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Janet. I forgot to say that, my boo. Janet's birthday is tomorrow. We're going to end it with Can't Be Good. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. I will see y'all. I can't believe I let this happen to me. It always ends up.